So I was I was a, a scrum. Uh, what, what was it called? I was uh, like a scrum, scrum master. Breaker. No scrum breaker. Scrum breaker. Okay. <laughs> so I went in and like we should do this and like the whole scrum team is like we hate you. So I was the, I was the scrum breaker. What's up, everybody? This is TechnoGeek from the CTBB pod. So we have a really exciting feature that we are going to be rolling out at the drop of this episode. It is our Discord community. So we are going to be emphasizing a lot of really cool, exciting, exclusive features within the Discord community. We'd love to interact with the people who listen to our pod and love our pod. If you want to chat with other hackers, you want to discuss bugs, um, you know, we're hoping to have the guests in there as well, although I don't know if the, they will answer questions. So just, you know. Don't ping them and stuff, but uh, you know we're we're hoping to have a lot of really awesome people in there to just come and hang out and build an awesome community. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, uh, you can go to ctbb.show/discord and that will take you right to the Discord server join invite link. Um, we will also be rolling out a couple paid premium tiers. So if you want to financially help support the pod, uh, that would be amazing. It would help pay our editors. It would help us make better content for you. And uh, yeah, that's going to have some exclusive stuff that comes with it, like AMAs and masterclass sessions and some exclusive, you know, we're going to show some unredacted bugs, stuff like that. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, uh, let us know and uh you know come join our discord community again that's uh, ctbb.show slash discord and you can uh, join the community hoping to see you there peace all right dude franz is we're rolling welcome to the podcast man thank you so much thanks for inviting me of course and and so actually before we jump into this episode i've got to highlight what the heck this thing is behind you um <laughs> yeah. there's like a it looks like it's like a sh a framed poster of you with a shell on google is that exactly yeah. what that is yeah it is it's it's from 2014 i think 2014 uh, are you kidding me yeah. holy crap. no yeah yeah 14 yeah yeah were you born then dude no. <laughs> yeah, i was i was no. I that's the year I graduated high school, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I think it was from an XXE, if I recall it correctly. Wow, that's dude, awesome. that's nuts! So he's just got yeah. like Etsy password on from yeah. a Google box on the wall behind him. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty freaking neat. That's amazing. all right, guys. So as as we often do when we start off the Critical Thinking podcast, I'm gonna have to go into Justin's story time a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> Justin's story time is this. I. I was at my, the, the setting was this, Justin was a new, a new bug bounty hunter and I had just weaseled my way into my first live hacking event. Okay. Um, and I had, I, I had, I was very nervous. I was the plus one of a plus one and uh, it was amazing to get to see all of these hackers that I, um, you know, had respected for so long. Uh, but there was one guy in particular you may be able to guess who that I had not gone and talked to because I was just too nervous. I was too nervous, man. I was like, there's no way I can go up and talk to Franz Rosen. And I was talking to my wife, Mariah, and I was like, listen, Franz is like 
a legend. Like I can't, I can't go up and talk to him. And she's like, Justin, you're at this live hacking event. You have to go up and talk to him. And at, at that event, you had found a crazy bug, um, with, with, uh, you know, an S3 bucket, you know, pulling stuff in and stuff like that. Um, and so I went up and talked to you and you were so kind to explain the whole bug to me and just chat. And that was my, my first, you know, fanboy moment where I was like, wait a second, Franz is a real human. What's up with that? So, wow. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's dude, an awesome it, story. It, you know, normally they say, don't meet your heroes, but I must say, Franz, you did not disappoint. So, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank so, you. There's, your little, there's your little flattering intro. Um, for those of you that don't know Franz, um, Franz is a legend, a, a hacker, <laughs> a, uh, a bug bounty OG. Um, and dude, I'm looking at this, this, this plan that we have for this episode and it's so long. I'm not even sure we're going to be able to get through all of this because there's just so much good content that you've put out. Um, so thank you for that. But before we get thank into you. all that, let's go ahead and talk about how you got into bug bounty in the first place, because you, you got in when it was really early on the scene yeah. and give us a little career walkthrough that brought you to the point where you could do bug bounty. Sure. I think, I mean, initially everything started off as hiring two young people uh, to my company as developers. And these two young guys, uh, Matthias Carlson and Fredrik Anrut, uh, they <laughs> were lurking always inside, in a corner in the office, doing stuff together always. And, and you, you didn't figure, like, you couldn't really understand what they were doing. But, but when you started talking with them, you realized, like, they were... <laughs> probably like arp spoofing the whole office oh my gosh laughing. that's hilarious <laughs> laughing okay so this wait, I'm, like, gonna, I'm gonna pause you really quickly there so yeah. you, you were you at this point you were already an entrepreneur so you started yeah yeah, yeah. you, yeah, know, you so had I, already started your company yeah yeah so i can start when when i was born no just no, no. <laughs> no no so <laughs> take I, us back I, yeah exactly take us back no so i i started as a developer like super early on and then uh I, I built a company together with uh, with a business partner of mine, mm. and we hired uh, Frederick and and Matthias. Mm. And at that time, I, I wasn't into hacking. I I knew that like sanitize your inputs. That was that was basically the sure, sure. The, the the idea that I that I knew was was something in re, in regards to security. Uh, but th this was very timed also because like this was two thousand and I think ten or eleven or something. And, and uh, I, I got curious on what they were doing. And at some point they told us that they were planning on building like a company security, like a security company automating wow. security issues. So we were pretty interested in that. And we started talking more deep around like, what would you do? What, like, what is the product? And we kind of realized uh, early on that we could do this together, mm. uh, especially because we saw a need for it in terms of what we were building. We were building like e-commerce websites and, and CMS websites and stuff. So we, we then created Detectify. Mm. And, uh, and at that point, just when we got started, the bug bounty scene uh, basically was initiated. Yeah. So it started wow. with like Mozilla and I think it was PayPal and Google and I think Facebook was early on as well. And then you had you had like like Russian things as well and <laughs> and some uh, what what was it? There was something else also that was like super early on. I think eBay was early on as well. Like mm, there was mm. a few of those that that started uh, and and you you basically had like a a way to do like research on 
a huge amount of surface. Like you could test a bunch of things on, on this attack surface. And so that was very helpful in like getting to understand what they were looking for. But because now you didn't have to like hide or simulate fake things, you could literally like focus on, on looking for real bugs. So that got me curious on like, what should I start with? And I think they, they basically showed me a bunch of XSS things. And, and that, that's where I like started off and, uh, and played like XSS was my, you know, where I was born sure, <laughs> and sure. then, and then it grew from there. Uh, so I think that was, I think it was very helpful for me to have people next to me that I could ask and also to, to, you know, whenever I didn't know anything, I could just ask them and, and then I could play myself and then I could come back and like Dude, get that feedback. This is so awesome because you, 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 you were in a position of, you know, owning this company or whatever, and you hire yeah. Matthias. I didn't know that that was actually how you, you met yeah. Matthias in the first place. And then you're willing, you know, you're willing and engaged at a level where, you know, you can say like, hey, what are you doing? And then you start this company with them. Yeah. And it, it just shows this really, you know, learner mentality. And Matthias is like, Absolutely. you know, uh, Matthias is young at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they were they were drop offs from from the university. I think there was like they were like eighteen or nineteen. No way! If even wow. that. Wow. Yeah, so they yeah. were really so young. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and they they came basically in and and like they were they were okay developers, but they were <laughs> much better when it comes to like security and and security related things. That's when when they were like shining in terms of skills. Yeah, dude. So we felt that like it's much better for you to like focus on those things than you know making an integration with an invoice uh, provider like please stop writing code <laughs> yeah 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 no not really like write other code that is right. like much more fun to like, no that's that's run. great i i yeah. i've been meaning to get matthias on the pod as well so i think i'm going to send him a message right after this episode because i'd love to hear his origin story as yeah. well and his side of this situation <laughs> where he's like so there's this guy and he hired me onto this company and then he's like yeah, exactly. why are you arp spoofing the whole office you know like i, I love that he's like he probably has a totally different story he's like no, I wasn't hired. I, <laughs> I, just I hacked that. into this company. I just showed and, up yeah. one day. Yeah. I didn't get paid. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so... So that, that's yeah. really interesting to, to hear that... that um, that like shift so you were basically just doing entirely like software development yeah. when you learned about like the security side of it what sort of piqued your interest to like make that pivot that like really drew you towards security because i imagine like if you're doing a lot of software development stuff you probably yeah. could have just kept doing that and not sure made made a switch into security so what what was that like draw i think i i think so I've been like, I, I was building, you know, systems, like you, you, you say you're building a system, but like, what is a system in, in, in reality? But I was always like, as a developer, I always try to like, oh, I can reuse this. I need to build this like modular and, and all these things. So I was always curious on how others were doing it. And this was like, I've realized this probably now after like 14 years, but I, I kind of know that like, through the whole time but like I'm, I'm super curious on how other people thought about problems and issues and i've i've always like i've almost made it a, a challenge to myself to write like pseudo code of how something is implemented so i can make a black box a white box right right uh, just because that's the way i understand how they thought about things and also that's how you find that specific little if statement 
that they forgot about. Sure, sure. And I think I think that was that was the point where I realized that I could do this on other companies and nobody will like get me into trouble and I can just, you know, start poking at them and see what's what what will happen. And I think that was that was something that I'd like I can do this and also get paid. Like this was something I was poking at before, you know, just figuring out how stuff worked. Um and now I could do it, help other companies and also, you know, get paid for it. Yeah. So I think that was that was the trigger to like, okay, I can actually gain knowledge by doing this and also I have like a side effect of I can actually, you know, make make money for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and and I think and, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, uh, I, and I think what what happened in the beginning also when we started with the bug bounty was like those those money came in to our company so we could fund, you know, this company like start these other companies so it kind of it it, it was like a very like a beautiful yeah. environment of like we get to poke on other companies and that creates other companies and it's like it, it was a very nice you know circling effect of 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 hunting for bugs and, yeah and yeah. you see this a lot with with bug bounty origin companies right like in the beginning when you're trying to like make ends meet and stuff like that you yeah. can even use bug bounty to fund your own company right as Absolutely. income into the company so i think that provides a really nice launching place for um you know bug bounty hunters to uh become entrepreneurs in that context yeah, for sure um, there, there are many that are, that has like popped up yeah, yeah, and I've got. From, I've. Yeah. I actually was just speaking to another one this morning who we'll have on the pod. Yeah. So there's definitely some. That's one of the things I'm really interested in is bug bounty plus entrepreneurship. So we'll definitely cover more of that later. And I've actually got a section on this doc if we get through all of it to to pick your brain a little bit more about that. Um, but I think you said a really interesting thing relating to how you think about hacking, which was that you try to write pseudocode so that you can kind of understand how the developers you know, would have, would have written this code and yeah. turn it, you know, from a black box into a white box. Yeah. Um, and I've, I kind of saw this when we were collaborating at the last mm-hmm. life hacking event we yes. were at. Um, and, and you, you did can a great get job like with small that. indicators and that like yeah. this indicator confirms that they've done something like this, because yeah. if this doesn't happen, then, and, and it turns almost into a, like a game where you can like, I'm going to guess what happens if I do this. I'm going to get an error. And I'm like, yes, I'm getting an error. Okay, then I know that they've done this and that. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, that. That, that's, that's, and I think that's probably one of the things that makes you such a good uh, exploit exploiter <laughs> exploitationist yeah. you know like i don't, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know the, i don't know <laughs> yeah. the actual word but um yeah. you know someone who's really able to take an issue and just poke 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 poke, poke until you turn yeah. it into a crazy vulnerability um so that's that's definitely a cool tip for anybody who has that sort of developer like brain to kind of mm-hmm. you know really be, be intentional about theorizing because i think to some degree we're all doing this a little bit when, absolutely, we're, when we're hacking absolutely. but i think if you take that extra step and really start thinking in the forefront of your brain hey how did they write this how is this how can i confirm mm. this you know what little yeah. errors might tell me whether it's this or that exactly. um you, you can flesh it out a lot more and it's the same thing like when mm. when you've done it with one place and they have done, you know, a similar thing somewhere else. Yeah. Then you can like start comparing them and like, okay, but it behaves differently there. And like you can, yeah. so as soon as you've done that for like one code block, yeah. you can see other implementations in the same company. Mm. If they've done, like you've done a mistake on one, like that, that happens a lot. Like there's oh, yeah. one single thing that, that makes everything break. Yeah. Sorry, Joel. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. It, it, I mean, there's almost like two different buckets of of this type of stuff when you're doing testing, where um, like <laughs> the cat just. <laughs> 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 he's part of the show too um yeah but there's almost like two buckets where like uh you you can there's like lots of like almost totally like out of left field type of stuff where you'll test you'll be like maybe they did this maybe did that they did that like you never know maybe maybe they made this weird mistake like i saw this somewhere else and then there's the very like logical approach where you think about it so sort of basically as if you're one of the developers or you're coming from the developer's perspective which is you know you know some of the technologies that they're using you know some of the common mistakes that happen within those languages and those technologies and so you can sort of piece things together. You can try things that are a little more targeted towards like, say you're testing, you know, a, a Java application. Absolutely. Right? You're going to test stuff that's Absolutely. similar to Spring or, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to be testing for like Java specific things instead of like Absolutely. Ruby issues or JavaScript issues. Yeah. And that type of testing, like it's not to say that if you test a Ruby issue on a Java stack that like maybe there's something further down the line that might pop yes. and, the, you know, but oftentimes having that context as like a developer is really, really useful because you absolutely have that, like that background of yeah. like, oh, and maybe I, they, I would say you know, this is something weird that they might've done. Yeah. And I would say one, one of the things you're mentioning there is like, like, I don't know why I think people are talking about it in a different context, but like typing is like one of the most, one of the best things and one of the worst things in combination that you can use. Like that's one of our biggest tools that we have is is when like for example when you have php you don't have typing mm-hmm. so that's where what you have there is like then you can start figuring out where they screwed up and thought it was an int but it's a string and and in other languages it's like just because you have the typing errors you can start fussing you know variables that didn't exist because mm, you're getting mm. a typing error and so like when you think about it like that's that's one of my best clues that there's you know that I can hunt for things is like typing issues uh, or typing yeah. errors, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I feel like that's a really good transition into one of the tools that you wrote. I don't know, when was this? Like 2017 or something? Um, <laughs> this like this S3 decloaking tool, or oh, yeah. this bucket oh, disclosure yes. tool. Yeah, do, do you, you want to like talk about that a little bit? Because there's you did a whole blog post and stuff, but I feel sure. like, yeah, I've got you. Yeah, right the, here, the so. blog post is, is, so what happened with that blog post was like, I, I had fun bugs that I wanted to explain. But then I realized, okay, I need to take one step back. Like, do people know what this is? And like, do people know why this bug happens? And do people know what S3 is? And then like, do people know what internet is? And like, that that the blog post just grew up. No. Did I lose you? Yeah, yeah. I saw bit. that. Yeah, so it, it's looking right now, it says you're 1% uploaded. Do, do you yeah, have I any... see 1% uploading. Do, do you have, so normally... But it goes from one to zero always. Yeah. So, so do you have a, a, a way to um, like make your internet stronger? Like, are you Etherneted mm. in right now, or are you? I can I can try. I wonder what I have for uh, what I have on my phone instead, because it's it's weird because it says. Oh yeah, so... wow! Maybe could I've been the stupid person in the room. What did you what did you do? <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> Is he he's got proxy on right now? <laughs> I turned it off. I oh, think it now worked. he's at 9% uploaded. That was definitely it. All right. So all right, uh, it goes to S3. Uh, well, <laughs> what do you mean it goes to S3? Right, wait. Wait. Uh, I need to check my my Oh fuck, yeah, sorry. It was my my mistake. Yeah, uh, so on? yeah, everything went through burp, man. 
Dude, that's hilarious. Okay, so oh. so we we've been dealing with some issues with Franz cutting in and out for this past like twenty minutes, and you know what it was? He left freaking Burt Proxy on. So uh, classic hacker mistake here. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, really sure where where it cut out, but we'll we'll no. bring it back around. Rest in Dan. peace, Burp State. Yeah, so, yeah, dude, your Burp file just blew up. Um, but yeah, okay. Oh, so you know, you talked That's a little bit about about you know the testing methodology where you're you're thinking yeah. about you know the code structures. You're thinking about things like variable typing. First, and yeah. I will say, you know, uh, when you said typing for the first time, I was like. Yeah, man. You know, everybody types when they're hacking. Uh, you know? okay, I was like, yeah, what the yeah, heck yeah. are you talking about? Typing yeah, is I one of our greatest you were tools. about typing as well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's really yeah. funny. But um, so I guess I wanted to dive a little bit into that. So we've seen the side already, We've, or at least we've talked a little bit about the side of like uh, exploitationist fronds. You know, once you see a weird issue, you, you poke yeah. at it, you model out the code, you know, you're thinking about how the developer would have implemented it. And you're thinking about how you can validate those assumptions by triggering different edge cases throughout, throughout the code base. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious about fleshing a little bit more out about your your hack, hacker methodology because w one of the things we've seen in, in the past with hackers that have come on here is that you you have a couple of extremes right you have people that are you know um, that go really hard on the recon stuff and you've got people that that go really hard on the um, you know on the on the manual hacking stuff mm -hmm. right yeah um, and so. Uh, there, there's definitely different types of hackers, but I've seen you do do both, and I think mm -hmm. when you've got someone that can do both, it, it, it creates a crazy result. So, mm -hmm. I, but I did want to ask you, you know, if you identify a little bit more as as one or the other, do you, do you identify a little bit more as a manual hacker or as a uh, a wide hacker, you know, focusing on recon to find weird stuff, or do you see yourself as a mix of the two? So I. I began mostly, so I think it's it's a matter of difference in terms of like where I'm at. Yeah. Like, so I would say I started off, of course, manual yeah. uh, because everybody does that. You need to yeah. figure out what to do before you can automate it. Sure. I then went into like full, full on automation. Like yeah. I wanted, but, but there was always like, I always had the argument on like, you can't automate if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. And if your whole idea is to find something you don't know of, uh, you can't really automate it all. So I was never, I was never a full-on automationist, <laughs> if yeah. that's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was more on like uh, I automated a bunch of things. I knew what I was looking for, but then I always kept this thing where I'm like, I'm gonna save it all and and I'm gonna look through it and I'm gonna see the oddities myself sure. because I don't know what what I will find. The, the, things will happen much faster than my knowledge about what it what it is basically. Um, but then then it came. I think it happened. I took a break from bug hunting or like break. It was probably like one and a half year or something. Mm. Like probably during COVID mostly. Yeah. Where where I, I didn't want to do any live hacking events. I wasn't really looking for bugs in in any way during almost two years. Yeah. I think. Um, and when I came back, I kind of realized that similar to I think what other bug hunters that like want to start off realize is that there's so many people that are doing automation that is like ridiculous like seriously yeah, like absolutely. they they do things so fast 
I, I tend to, I spoke a lot about my automation back in the day and I told them like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing like every eight hours I'm looking and they're like, mm. every eight hours, I'm doing it every 20 minutes. Every eight <laughs> and seconds, I'm like, you know, okay. like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm like, they're like, you're missing out on so many things. I'm like, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, do I want to invest the time to like speed up my, my automation just for those bugs? And I it came to the conclusion that like, no, I don't. I, I rather... I rather spend, you know, manual time trying to figure out really cool bugs mm. than trying to like, <laughs> like reach to the point where I'm like at level with other automationists. Yeah, no, automationists. I love that word. Yeah, like, no, it's an no, awesome, we, awesome word. I think we're gonna coin that term. It's like that that term. Art, arts and uh, automationists. Automationist, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and it's actually funny. You know, I actually had that exact same path. You know, yeah. except I sort of skipped to the part where I was doing manual hacking in the beginning. Like, when, yeah. because there were so many resources by the time I started. You know, when, yeah. when I started, I guess in 2017, 2018 you know, you had already put out talks, you know, people were putting yeah. out talks on how to do stuff. So I had a pretty decent flow of like bug bounty write-ups yeah. and stuff like that to read. And then I leveraged into automation. But then I came to the same conclusion you did, which is like, well, maybe a little bit different uh, of one, but essentially in, in order to compete at this, at this game at the top level, you have to be constantly refactoring your code. Yeah. And it's a grind, yeah. right? And, and, it, and it's sure. going to make it more of a pro you're going to be, become more of a programmer than you are a, of a hacker because um you know you're constantly having to refactor code um yeah. and and so I, I also sort of leveraged a little bit more or switched over into into manual yeah. hacking a little bit more and it's been fun to see see the results of that as well yeah um i i think like and when i also when i think about it like when i m mentally think about like what do i wanna uh, like end up with or like w what do i want to succeed with it's not that i like oh i i dream of finding a unclaimed s3 bucket yeah. like that's that's really not the, the bug <laughs> that i'm i'm like i will go home exactly and be happy about mm. the the bug yeah. i will go home be happy about is the one where i'm like i did this thing over there and that gave me a little piece of the puzzle and then right. i went over there and did that and now i i can access the server like with an rc like th those yeah. are the kind of bugs that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna feel so proud, and it, it's like it's gonna it's gonna hold up for you know more than a week, probably sometimes a year. Mm. That bug yeah. has the value of like, and I, I will not find that by writing automation and finding an unclaimed bucket or uh, you know environment variable file laying somewhere. That might be helpful into doing other things, but you know. It's it, the, the fun. The fun things happen when when I go deep. So I I absolutely shifted over to like go deep, deep, full on. You know, go you know so deep that that people are like, but move on, man. <laughs> like stop looking at that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I'm like keep digging and like something. Sometimes there's something falling out from it, and like you realize, you know. And I have I have all these examples of you know running on a private program, but but still you know grinding it for for months, and and even collaborating uh, with with Matthias in this case, mm, mm. and like we couldn't figure figure one thing out, and it was like how does this work and why is it happening, and like <laughs> he was he was at a concert I think it was I don't know if it was like Iron Maiden or something but he was at a concert <laughs> and I was writing him messages because we often chat without the other one responding like sure, that's sure. that's how we communicate Async. like yeah. asynchronous very very much asynchronous and I was writing to him like okay 
but this worked. Like, I don't know. And, and like, it took probably two or three hours. And that chat message history is like, is, is a beauty of itself. <laughs> uh, because it's like, this happened. Oh, I think it, this, oh, oh my God. Oh, like, it ended up in like being like total disaster. And, and it was like, you know, ring the bells. And it was like one of the most beautiful bugs I've ever seen. Mm. And it was just, just that grind of like, We've been having this for for months, knowing that there's something there, but we couldn't figure it out, and it came to that conclusion. It's like it's so beautiful, mm. and it's and it's yeah. like that's the kind of bugs I want to come like like continue to you know bring home or you know mm. talk mm. about in in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like for a long time there was this like there was a lot of manual hacking that went on and then there was like a few years kind of like right before covid like around covid and then like during covid where like a lot of people realized that there's so much scope and there's so much stuff out yes. there yeah. that you can make a lot of money just by doing automation and mm, like automation absolutely. isn't a particularly difficult thing there's a lot of tools mm. out there stuff like nuclei and all these like frameworks and things that yeah. exist that let you kind of just like duct tape and bootstrap stuff together and just like build these little pipelines that do like a lot of like really efficient work and so a lot of people just really like dove headfirst into that and mm, just yeah. started like scanning for stuff, finding subdomain takeovers, finding bucket takeovers, finding like, you know, CVEs that you could just like automate into, you know, easily reproducible reports and bugs. And like, yeah. that's a, it's almost like a separate bug bounty space. Absolutely. Right? Because it's like, yeah. you're basically at this point, you're not really like fighting over like complexity of bugs or like how this yeah. app like interacts with other parts of the app yeah. or how this service or this website might like, you know, be leveraged by another part of the application or another part of the company. It's more just like how fast is your tooling and like how good can can you beat the other person? Is your internet better? Is you know are are you is your scanning faster? Are you looking at the right things? Yes, and I agree. I really love this manual hacking type of mentality. Like me and Justin have discussed this a little bit because as a full time hunter, I think it's a lot easier to either f fall more towards automation or mm. at least towards like less complex findings yeah. because you need that cash flow yeah. you need to be having reports going in all the time sure. but i also like i love not feeling obligated to have reports in because mm -hmm. that gives you that opportunity to do yeah. what you're talking about like go yeah. deep with the application get intimate as we like get to say and just like, really like Absolutely. learn the ins and outs of this application become yeah. like almost a developer essentially at the company where you understand more about how stuff is going on in the back end than even yes. somebody who works at the company does because that really gives you all those insights into where stuff is like faltering or yeah. where there might be weird mechanisms or these systemic patterns like you yeah. talked about where you know you realize oh this is like a common mistake or pitfall that they made yeah. maybe they made this here and here and here and, and so on and i just love that that mentality of just like you know ignore the the sort of the the flash and the, yeah. the glamour and stuff but and just like bug after bug after bug and find that yeah. really really cool deep shit and I, I agree. I think I think one of the so I went full bug hunting mode last I would say in beginning of September, October, kind of. And and the decision I made was happening during that summer. And I because I had those kind of, you know, anxious uh, things also like will I be able to like <laughs> pay my own salary or like how 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 can I figure out the economics around doing this full time? Uh, and at that point, I, I, I had I had luck because I I done like I did a few Zoom on, uh, like bugs on Zoom, and they paid me out that summer and they paid really well for those bugs. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this is my buffer. 
So I have a buffer now of like, if I would take like my normal salary, I would, I would like last these amount of months. Okay, so these months I can, I can figure out if I should, you know, go automation or continue doing, because those bugs I found was like no automation. It was just like trying to figure out how everything worked. Uh, and I used that time to like figure out first, like where should I hunt? Like what program takes care of me? What program, you know, treats my bug bugs in a way that I feel appreciated or like they value my, my time? And then also like economical wise, like where should I spend my time to like align the return on investment in a way that makes me not stressed, you know, going forward. Um, and when I figured those things out, like where to look, I still trying to figure out like what programs I should focus on. But when I figured out some of it, at least that helped me a lot in, into like deciding that going deep was actually, you know, uh, monetary wise, uh, a good decision for me to like, don't be afraid that, that I won't be able to pay myself a salary. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you definitely see, if you look at the numbers, I think you'll see a higher um, return on investment of time, right? And a higher, a higher hourly rate if you do deep bugs. But the thing with, with automation is you get to have this, and, and I experienced this when I was in the automation game. If you take time off, you still yeah. get bugs, Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is just huge <laughs> yeah. for like, like yeah. relief, right? You know, like because I, I don't know what it is for me, but like even if I have a ton of money sitting in the bank, if I see that trending downward while I'm taking mm -hmm. a break, or mm -hmm. if I if I know like, hey, I'm not finding bugs right now, that just bothers me, you know? Yeah, and I and can imagine it's kind yeah. of like a it's it's definitely a psychological problem, um, you know, for sure. But because uh, I think you should be able to rest in both states. Whether you just popped, you know, 100k in bugs, and now you take, mm. you know, a couple of weeks off, and you've got that 100k sitting in the bank, and you're like, all right, I'm fine, or yeah. whether you've got, you know, 20k in the bank, and you're, you see it going up and up and up and up with the bugs, you know, the, those are the same, the same things. Sure. Uh, but you know, it, psychologically, it's 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 very different. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also have a whole episode about like picking the right program, and I think you you covered this a little bit, but it's really important, especially like when you're doing full time hacking, to have the right program. Yeah. Like you yeah. mentioned like For sure. once you find like a program who really respects you as a researcher and your reports and like handles the things that you're submitting and takes it very seriously and is like, you know, re responsive and all these types of things, like it makes a really big difference to yes. uh, like, I, I, I almost want to say that it increases the quality of the bugs that you find mm. later on mm. because like you have this relationship with the company where you want to show them like, Hey, I found this really cool thing on, on your app. Like, uh, let me show you, like, let me take it one step further. Like, let me, you know, I, I bet you thought that last bug was cool, but how about this one? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, exactly. It, it, you almost, it's almost like a challenge. Yes. And um, if you find a company that that not only treats you right, but pays correctly, like if you have a, a program, say they pay like 5K crits and their mediums are like 750, mm. a couple media, like, you, mm. you know, you're at like five mediums, you're almost there, right? Yeah. And so it's like, if you have automation that's finding a bunch of mediums versus it takes you a week or two to find like a really bad crit, but it's only going to get paid 5K, then that trade-off isn't always worth it. But if you have no, a program that's, that's paying like 30K crits yes. and maybe their mediums are like 
one or two K. Well, that makes a big difference. Mm. And then your time is really, really worth like spending that time finding sure. that critical and not spending it doing automation or like trying to find a subdomain take. Yeah. Let, sure. let, let me jump in here and say, you know, <laughs> I, I think we've made it clear enough, but I want to clarify, we have tremendous respect for people on both sides of the game. Um, sure. you know, and, 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 you know, 100%. uh, the, the, there's definitely so many challenges of, of recon yeah. and so many challenges of, of deep diving stuff. Um, so hopefully this has given a little bit of insight into the the thought because I think all of us, uh, Joel more so than me, but you know ha have leveraged a little bit more into the whole finding very high impact yeah. bugs. Um, yeah. You know, with the majority of your time and and, and Franz as well. Um, and so okay, but we've already been talking for a while, and I'm two bullet points down on my little <laughs> list. So let me let me let me let me. Just the start of the episode, he's like, we got so much yeah. to cover. Like, <laughs> for like thirty minutes, we've talked about two topics. Yeah, I'm like super stressed over here because well, we're bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Next, 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 Let me get back to my list, okay? Yeah. Um, no, okay. So I, I do want to ask a couple things, and we'll keep these pretty pretty rapid fire. I think. Um, so. You know, you said you you identify more now as as sort of a deep deep dive hacker, which I think is is on point. Um, and so, it, and I think I know the answer to this because you already alluded to it. But I'm wondering how much time it takes you to how much time you normally spend on a program on average, and how much time it normally takes you to find some bugs that you're proud of. Mm -hmm. I would say. Uh so I haven't jumped between programs that much since yeah. I started with this methodology. But the one, the times I've done it during these two years, I would say, I, I think, and it, this is like where, where the imposter syndrome also hits hard uh, every time. It's because whenever you right. change or switch program, you basically have these, you know, sometimes for me, it can take up to like three days mm. until I actually find, you know, something that I, I think is relevant or, yeah. or valuable. Yeah. And so, so, uh, and I've, I've trained myself to not like, I, you know, you feel shit during oh, yeah. that time. Yeah. Like you hate yourself yep. and you think you're a fraud and you yep. know, all these kind of, you know, thoughts come up. Uh, but at some point you're like, okay, but no, I, I, I know this time is there. You need to invest the time. And, you know, because, and, and it, it's interesting also, because if you compare the first day, you see a bunch of, you know, variable names or like parameter mm. names mm. and like, what, the, what is this? What is this? I, I have no idea. I just want to find a bug, like ignore what they are like. And the third day you're like, oh, I know exactly what that parameter does and yeah. like what it does. Okay. So that's why. So you need to like spend those three days to like get that, you know, mindset of like, like the taxonomy, for example, taxonomy is a huge, th huge thing. Like, what do they call, you know, this kind of object and yeah. model? Like as soon as, so I, I tend to like write down taxonomy for myself just to like understand what is referencing what. And at, at some point, like that's also a really good receipt for, okay, they're calling it a little bit different here. Mm, like yeah. they use, no. they use, you know, a Pascal case over here, but there's snake case over there. Yeah, and like yeah. those kind of things is like indicators that there are multiple people doing, doing things here and they've named it differently. Like that's an indicator. Um, yeah. And those things takes probably like three days to realize that this is an outlier, for so, example. So let me let me just highlight that just for the listeners, yeah. okay? Do you guys hear the level uh, of depth that he's he's <laughs> describing here? He's describing the the case the case of parameters, and he, and and he's he's taking notes on the the verbiage, the the wording, the taxonomy of 
the various parameters and and endpoints and and this is the kind of stuff that you would think is getting too minute too too detailed but it's totally not no no, no. because every single every single thing every time you go that deep you get a further and further a little bit little just a little little tiny sure. bit closer yeah. to understanding what it's what it's looking like for this whole application and and that that little step little step by step there makes yeah. all the difference in the world when Absolutely. it comes to sort of black box texting when at the end of the day you're totally you know you're totally looking at a black box you know you have no yeah. idea what you're working Absolutely. with so yeah. um and there's I, I some there's some good well, tricks there, the there's three some number good tricks you can... i'm with you man like i, I yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some good tricks you can do. Like sometimes I just take the full scope and I, I search for the host yeah. in burp search and then I copy everything into an XML file and I have like an unpack, uh, unpack burp state or unpack burp uh, list. Uh, and then I sure. take the body of the request and then I take all the words I have and then I sort them and make them unique. And then I can see like, okay, there's like, intent id but there's intent underscore id and then suddenly i can like go that way to like find oddities in in parameters as well yeah uh, and and yeah. those are those you know if you've got intent id snake case and intent underscore id you know yeah. th those are per parameters that were clearly implemented by different developers right or or different you know um life cycle flows right right there yes. right and, and so um you know there's definitely a good chance that if every single intent uppercase i id is secure that sometimes the intent underscore id will not be secure yes. right so having that that sort of frameworks in place can really help you um uh, understand you know that the app from a holistic perspective and just take, take you know also i just want to shout out that that ability to take notes to to or not necessarily take notes but like to process the data that you've got yeah. there you know exporting to burp taking the time to write the xml unpack script which is something i've never done by the way because it's just such a pain i can in the share ass. it i can share it it's yeah, awesome it, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that would be great um yeah uh, it is something that will differentiate you from other hackers, right? You don't even have to know that it's the right thing to do. You know, so many yeah. people are like, man, should I spend my time doing this? It doesn't matter. It's going to make you unique as a hacker. Let's say you do that, nothing comes of it. You still saw more of the application than someone else who who hasn't done that, right? You you looked at those parameters a little bit differently, you know, because you unpacked everything. So yeah. it's the things that make us unique hackers like that, that, that really allow different people to find different crazy bugs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I also absolutely. think that there's like a whole aspect, like the whole becoming almost like a developer within mm. that environment mm. where if you learn the terminology and you learn what things mean, so many developers use abbreviations and mm. stuff mm. to like represent things like they, they'll, they might, uh, you know, take something that represents some system, right? And they might abbreviate it as three characters yeah. and just start using that yeah. as an acronym, like throughout their application, throughout different like, you know, endpoints or parameter calls and stuff. A lot of times I'll look at something like that and I'll say like, what, like, what is, what is this? Like, what is this, these three letters? What is this supposed to mean? Like, what, what does this represent to the developer? And once you identify at a lower level, like, what does this actually yeah. mean? What are they ref referencing when they're saying, you know, these three characters or whatever, you can really start to unpack hidden functionality yes. and this type of stuff that may even exist that, you know, you'll start to stretch to different ideas like oh sure. maybe if they're calling uh an endpoint with a different three-letter acronym maybe i can 
toss my three letter acronym then i know what this means mm. maybe i can hit a different yeah. service or something right and, I, and sure. I think like getting to that level of just being like what does that mean or what is this parameter doing or what yeah. what does this represent can let you get that much deeper understanding and be able to dive deeper within the application so For much sure. easier mm. yeah yeah 100 percent um so let me let me ask this then um i i have seen I'm thinking specifically at the last live hacking event we were both at when we were sitting at this table and we were like <laughs> slamming our heads into a wall um, on this one specific bug for a while. Um, how how often do you find yourself sitting in front of a request and trying things sort of incessantly versus mm -hmm. sitting back, staring at the ceiling and thinking about the bug? Like, and, and, I, and I know that this is kind of a hard question because it's very, yeah. um, you know, abstract, but just give me your gut, your gut feelings on how much time you spend actually hands-on iterating versus uh, just sort of thinking and ideating. Yeah. So, so I have, I have a bunch of things I, I tend to do when I, I get to the point where I, I can't figure it out. Yeah. Like it's all everything from, you know, collecting my own kind of word list from yeah. that uh, asset just to like find you know things in there that like can make me understand sure. what this is, uh, up to up to the point where where as you said like I I take a walk and I'm like thinking about it and like how why does it behave like it does or what is it trying to you know what data is it trying to fetch or or similar so sometimes I I would say both work. Uh, sometimes you know complete brute uh, together with very context mm. related mm. information yeah like for example generic word lists for me is not really helping that much i wouldn't say that you know word lists found on you know a really large word word list works that well i would the ones that work are are when when you can like apply the context to what you're actually looking at that's yeah. when you're getting the nice nice hits and and but but in 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 the other aspect also is like sometimes you just need to think about it and you know google error messages is sure. like an awesome thing as well yeah. as soon as you see an error message that is like this is not a generic error message like then you can start digging down like maybe it's this and maybe this is the database I'm injecting into or yeah. whatever. Or even yeah. maybe an error message that kind of looks like a generic error message, but is but worded not. specifically, yes. you yeah. know? Or it has like, yeah. you know, a format that is that is very, very different from... Also, like, if error messages look the same on a target and suddenly one error message doesn't, that is, that is also like, okay, the, all, all the other ones had, you know, square brackets around the error code, but this one does not. Like, those could be also indicators that, okay... There's another thing causing this error message. Um, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think like one of the really underutilized things is Googling stuff with quotes around it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's all the time. It's just like if I see an error, just, yeah. you Google something with quotes around yeah. it. And it, minus it doesn't, it doesn't minus exact. That. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah. that, we did that at the last event. You know, yeah. the thing we're talking yeah. about right now yeah, is yeah, yeah. Just like, what is this? Like, what is this system? What is this using? What is this technology? And just search the error message in immediately. There's yeah. 100 Google results all mentioning the same exact thing. And you're like, oh, okay, it's that. Okay, that's, yeah. that's it. So yeah. last question about the hacker methodology piece. So it seems like you spend a good amount of time on your targets. It, give sure. me just sort of like a gut feeling on like how, how much time you spend on the average target. I would say, so I would say three days is, is an investment first. You might not get anything from it. So I've yeah. done these like short assessments 
kind of thing where I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to focus on this program. And what, what has happened for me is like one and a half week. Yeah. Uh, is 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 a is a time for me where I know I'm going to find something good. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how bad it will be, but I yeah. know I will find something that will be good. So yeah. one and a half week has been a really good uh way for me, but also like you have kids. So it's like right. you don't know where where you're going to spend that one and a half week. Right. Are you going to spend it on the night? Are you going to spend it, you know, in the office times or sure. are you going to spend it like at all? <laughs> like it, it, there could be you know and and often like when you submit you know a bunch of bugs at the same time or like in the in the matter of of days uh you always have this triage you know massage yeah that, yeah that is like it, it can be especially like my my reports are like sometimes two to four thousand words uh my my reports Holy are insane moly. man like they are they are my blog posts are sometimes are small compared to my blog posts. <laughs> oh my god i'm writing them manually it's not like copy pasting a boilerplate of like how it's actually like step by step showing you know sometimes i i'm showing even how i came to the conclusion that there's there's a bug and i sure. have like a very long impact explanation and you know everything is like typed from 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 the fr- frontal cortex yeah <laughs> or right like, 100 percent. yeah uh, but that's but, so true uh, so but then you have so that half week afterwards is like tri- triage massage basically mm, yeah um, yeah, yeah. Just there's always get that through. like getting through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you get it through. You, they find out uh, it's not a dupe, and then it's another week of yeah. yes, this is how you reproduce it. Yeah, that's a good side effect also of going like deep into a program. Like compared, like live hacking events are are an exception to the to the rule. Yeah. But but I haven't duped once in in all, all like this full time since August last year. Uh, you, except you, for live hacking you've events. duped except me you hacking. stupid absolutely on, yeah, yeah, yeah like i yeah. was like and we'll bleep <laughs> oh, that yeah. if I need to. so, yeah, so like you, let's you say for example that. that program right that was a that was a challenge um and and so how long would you spend on something like that that one i spent i, I, I to be honest that one was new for me so i didn't know what to expect so yeah. i submitted that bug only uh, and, and of course, it was, that it was, was the two one. hours or something. Yeah, I mean, I didn't spend shit on, on that. Freaking. But the funny thing was that it was, I think it was very valuable for me not to spend more time because I had a hunch that they might not be as, you know, receptive to that uh, vulnerability, receptive type. to the report as I thought. So in, in that sense, I think I did a good investment not to spend more time. Yeah. And that's also a thing where you like, especially when it comes to new programs, I'm like very, very restrictive on like, like the worst thing you can do is like you spend much time, you find a really bad bug and then you continue and you submit bugs and you have no response yet. Oh. And you're like investing so much time and then suddenly they respond and they don't treat you yeah. in a good way. Yeah. And you're like, why did I continue? Yeah. You, you spoke yeah. really wisely. I, I've heard that before from, from other people in the, in the, in the podcast also. It's like, do don't invest too much in the beginning like Mm. you won't you won't gain anything from submitting you know 50 bugs in the beginning you're you're only gambling with your own time like don't do that absolutely Uh, yeah you can gamble with that time when you know 
the receiver and you know what what to expect you, from them you that's, have to validate you... validate the program and validate your threat model because on, on yes. one hand you know you could be it could be the program just being shit right that's one possibility you know they could just be yeah. a bad or program or you have misaligned your exactly exactly or think is a, is a threat or, or not. you could yeah. have misaligned your threat model and and yeah. and that's not anybody's fault except maybe you know one could argue that the team should have uh you know provided more insight into their threat model sure. in their policy, which yeah. I would love to see more of in general. But, you know, like you said, it's a gamble if you're not, if you're not, you know, validating that threat model in advance, yeah. because, um, you know, it's very easy for issues to, to, to come out of that. Um, for sure. and so, okay. All right. <laughs> First section of my, of my, of my notes are, are done here. Yes. Um, so awesome. here's what, I, here's where I'm thinking we're going to go from here. Okay. <clears throat> I have uh, compiled together, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six uh, articles, some of the best hacking articles I've ever read, written by Thank Franz you. over the years, wow. starting in 2017, spanning all the way up to, I think, 2022 or 2023, the latest one. Um, and I just want to kind of walk through these and talk about mentality. I want to talk mm -hmm. about the technical details sure. of them. So I hope yeah. you reviewed them because I don't know about you, but I, if I, if I wrote something, you know, six months ago yeah. and then somebody asked yeah. me about it, you know, six months later, yeah. then I'm screwed. Uh, cause yeah, I don't we'll remember see. anything, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first one, and I'll, we'll link all these in the description as well. I would it's not even something that I would recommend. It is mandatory reading for any listener of critical thinking to go and read all of these. Um, so please keep that in mind. Um, the first one that I wanted to talk about was this whole uh, AWS S3 thing. So yeah. um, if any, you know, for the listeners here, um, S3 bucket takeovers and S3 bucket issues now are, one, it's one of the most, hottest it's one of the hottest topics in in cloud security um and all of this originates with this man right here franz um who who sort of coined the s3 bucket the s3 bucket takeover um and so i, I want to kind of you know flash back to 2017 here um you're seeing this new technology sort of coming on the scene and you're seeing it implemented in lots of different places on all these different programs how do you come how do you identify this issue of, so of it was buckets. actually earlier earlier yeah. it was actually 2014 the wow. first the first blog post about it was in 2014 okay. october i think wow. yeah um and and back then back then it was basically you know every time you saw a 404 you like just like moved on yeah uh, exactly because it's like wasn't nothing is there right uh so i i think we we came to the conclusion like i think it was both S3 and there was some something else that was also like I think Heroku was, was yeah. and, and Git, GitHub GitHub yep. Pages was yep. one of those. So I think we just came to the realization because we were looking at like Detectify was was getting built at the same time and a lot of things we were doing was around you know finding subdomains and and trying to identify what what they were running. And at some point I think we we figured out that like okay so. Uh, we started signing up on these these uh, uh, you know Providers, i think it was yeah. shopify as well like this this saw services 
and suddenly realized that you could just like there were no verification at all like we were on the, under the like assumption in the beginning that you need to validate your your that you own the domain because sure. that's how you do you know everything else when it comes to like gmail or you know when you want to run gmail for example and 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 realize that okay nobody's actually doing this because it's like a convenience thing yeah. to to like not use that validation part uh, and we started reaching out to all these companies and writing like okay somebody can just hijack all these these uh, companies uh, because they're pointing to you and some of these some of the providers were just like yeah but they're not our customer anymore <laughs> So why, oh like, like reading between the lines, that was what they were saying. Like, it's not our fault that, you know, they're not paying us anymore <laughs> or, you know. You, you uh, mean somebody's so, going to have to pay us to hack them? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone that's not our customer? Yeah. yeah. Go for it. No, but so so I think, and, and, and a lot of them were like, we already know about this. This is no no big yeah, deal, sure. and and we were we were screaming loud like, <laughs> please do something about it. Like, add the validation. Do you know whatever? Like, something you need to do something. And and when all, everybody responded, like not a single company responded with like, yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh. We we realized like I, we need to get it get it out there. And then it was just a matter of like, how many more are there? And uh, I, th- I think the first blog post we had, we had like 14 maybe providers, like big providers that yeah. we decided to to announce. Uh, but at the same time, there were, you know, a huge amount popping up since then, of course, still popping up to this day. And uh, and S3 is one of those that, that like keeps on lingering. Uh, I know that there are, there are some changes happening or like you can't change S3. But you can do, you can do implementations above it that is like safe. Mm. So there's something called S3 access points, which mm, is yeah. uh, their addition to it. And access points all, always get like a unique um, hash in the in, in it, so you can't cl- reclaim an access point. So that's that's like AWS solution to the problem is to like make access point the the way to actually access a, a bucket. Um, but yeah, I think, and, and like one of the big challenges in the beginning also when it comes to S3 was to figure out what the bucket name was. Uh, it wasn't always clear, uh, even though you have it in the error message, it wasn't always clear uh, what the bucket, and especially sometimes you do want to know the bucket name, even if it uh, exists. And I think that was the, the, the whole idea with the bucket disclosed was to mm. figure out what the bucket was named. Because if you knew what the bucket was named, you can make additional API calls on the side uh, to that bucket to see access level errors and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's that's such an amazing yeah. little little script there, yeah. Um, yeah. and and yeah. we'll we'll still link works. it down below. Yeah. yeah, we'll link it down below, and it does still work to allow you to identify what the name of a bucket is. And there's lots of really cool error based stuff yes. you can do with that yeah. too, where you're like yeah. creating um, invalid signed URLs that fail in such a specific way that it like yes. leaks the bucket name. So cool. Yeah. We have the yeah. same one. I love this. Uh, me and Matthias built the same one in the beginning of this year for uh, Google uh, Cloud Storage. Nice. So yeah. we have a we have seven seven the cloaking methods for for uh, for uh, cloud storage, uh, and it's kind, kind of helpful awesome. in cloud storage as well because sometimes you really want to know the name. Yeah. And it's very important for depending on how your setup looks like. So I think I will talk with Matthias to get it out as well. I think it's very fun to have. That's awesome. Decloaking. I, lo- I love the the that like terminology. Yes, I think too. this applies to more than just S3 buckets where like 
it's it's very similar to like origin server yeah. detection mm -hmm, where sure. you know if you're trying to bypass a WAF for example yes. you find what the origin server is or a way to talk to the origin server directly yeah. and mimic as if your requests are going through the WAF then oftentimes you can just bypass the WAF directly yes. and it's very similar to like S3 where you might have some subdomain that's maybe it's talking to a backend service instead yes. of actually just being a C name um to the bucket directly yeah. and if you can figure out some way to error it or you know get get it to basically oracle to what the bucket is then you can you know maybe read some data that you shouldn't have access Absolutely. to maybe you can list the bucket maybe you can do you know whatever it really depends yeah. on the context yes I, I love that that methodology yeah. the decloaking is is applicable in so many aspects like you mentioned as well like with a reverse proxy or an origin structure you know if you can leak that backend url there's there's a decent chance that you might be able to use that in a v host you know Absolutely. somewhere else at a load balancer level and hit that backend server directly and just bypass all of the middleware authentication that they've got in place yes. so we've seen that time and time again and it's a that's an awesome technique, and and that's another one of the things that kind of comes out of the security research is is the the impact the the conceptual impact is very wide reaching, right? Yeah. It's applicable to lots of different areas, which is which is really cool. Um, okay, so there's lots of other stuff you can dive into with this with this blog post that will link the. And actually, I didn't even have the one. I'm looking back now because you said there's one in 2014, and then there's also another one which I missed in 2016 where you're talking about CloudFront stuff and. Um, oh yeah. And the, oh, that was fun. And, yeah, that and, was good memories. And the yeah. the the the, yeah. uh, the trailing dot, dude. Yeah. Like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there was That's a bug. A there was a bug like in a live hacking event, right? Yeah. Just like two years ago or something that, that one of the bugs, the best bugs in that live hacking event was a trailing dot. Yeah. Uh, so, so it still happened. So for those of you, <laughs> excuse me, for those of you that don't know uh, about that, actually, you know, Franz, why don't you tell them a little bit about trailing sure. dot and what that does conceptually? Yeah. So I think the, the blog post mentioned specifically CloudFront. So what happened with CloudFront was that when you went to, uh, in this case, it was like, uh, paypal.com it wasn't paypal.com sure. i think it was car.com so you went to car.com and you, you would be served a page through cloudflare uh, but the whole idea with like how internet works <laughs> or like the dub 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 works was that uh, you can always add was a trailing this cloudflare or cloudfront 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 okay yes cloudfront yeah yeah you can always add like a trailing dot to a domain yeah, uh, because that's the, it's called like a FQD and like a fully qualified domain name is actually ending with a dot. Mm. Uh, they've just removed it for like I think for like simplicity or something. Yeah. Uh, so a trailing dot should always you know serve similar things or just give an error or whatever. And in CloudFront it gave an error, but it gave the error that looked like nobody has claimed that domain. Mm. So I mm -hmm. went into CloudFront. Now you can't do this anymore because CloudFront wants you to validate that you own the domain. But back then you could just add it as a C name to CloudFront and it had like a client side <laughs> validation. So you couldn't add a trailing dot. It would say you can't. But if you'd like capture the proxy, if you take the like, it was like a G GRPC request mm. and you modified that little thing in the request with a dot, you would add that to your to your own host. And then you could serve whatever you want on the on the trailing dot. And funny thing was that CloudFront has cookie logging, so it will log your cookies also. And, co and cookies are working both on the FQ FQDN and the regular domain. So if you had Holy cookies crap. sign into PayPal and or car.com and then went to car.com dot, you would I would get your cookies. Um, wow. And I started getting those logs, and I saw like people were clicking on emails, and then I realized why are they getting this 
from clicking oh, on emails period. because they write, please, hello, uh, my dear friend, go to car.com dot. And then the dot would be, you know, included in the link because, I mean, it's a link, right? Uh, wow. So that was the reason why so many came to the dot domain because it, it was like in, in the end of a sentence. Wow. So this doesn't even really require user interaction at that point because people are just going to that domain natively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah, yeah. So that was that was the scary part. Uh, and and it was a long process from that part. Like PayPal obviously fixed it by by reclaiming it themselves. Yeah. But then it was a long discussion with AWS also getting them to like, you know, you need to normalize this. And so they also treated this as a as a bug themselves. Wow. Do you feel like a lot of the bugs that you found have led to those sweeping sort of AWS changes? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Like one of the, one of the one of the things that I I talked a lot on. I had a OWASP event uh, talking about the DNS uh, mm. and Route fifty three, uh, and and suddenly they took a took a couple of years, but they fixed it, and that is one of the most impressive patches I've ever seen. Like I have no I. Like I dream of the day somebody tells me how that mitigation was done. It's like seriously, like yeah. it's impressive as hell. Yeah, like, they do. They do. They do something out of the out of the box thinking there. They really, to be honest, they really but, do. And I've tried me and Shubs and yeah. plenty of other hackers have yeah. spent so much time trying to bypass yes. that mitigation because if yeah. you can, there's a treasure trove of bugs uh, sure. there. Uh, you know, being able to reclaim these these yeah. domains. Um, but yeah. yeah, that dude, that was a sad day for me, man. Whenever they fixed that that bug, yeah. because that was my yeah. that was my cash cow when I was in <laughs> in in, uh, yeah. in you know. But very see, automation. automation also have these. You know, oh shit! Now now the curve going down. Right? Right? It happens exactly. in automation as well. Especially, it, yeah. it, it, I think it punches you harder when those things happen in automation. I, I, I forgot to say that, but, but when automation gets, when something happened with your automation and goes like that, that's a panic you don't want to end up with. Like yeah. that panic is worse worse than having a vacation and you, go, you see it go down. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, especially so, when you've dumped so much time into a technique. Like yes. I spent... Yeah weeks you know months of actual time you know yeah. like on, hands on the keyboard time refining my my route 53 flow and and, yeah. and just to be clear route 53 takeovers are still possible in some capacity but yeah. um it's it's very uh, limited in compared very, to very before. limited yeah, yeah yeah and so um definitely changed a lot and and that was yeah that was the day the day the music died for me that was the <laughs> that was the day that that i was like you know what i think yeah. i'm done with this shit um yeah. and so yeah all right so man i missed so many articles you know when i when i just going back i just kind of cherry picked some of my my fronds no you know <laughs> no favorite worries. moments but now i'm you know to why remember. i post uh, post things because the bugs turn boring after a while right yeah. so yeah this is this is my outlet to like eliminate me from looking at them anymore because i hope that someone else will look for them yeah that sounds pretty yeah, i was cocky, gonna ask but if you take but notes it's, but it's it's my <laughs> yeah that's true but it's my way of like moving forward like if i if i out uh, like myself in a way that like like my secret tricks if i just get them out there i can move on in finding new new things yeah that's, it that's, pushes me forward like, and that's amazing for the community too what a benefit and and friends can yeah. i ask i mean do you do you like writing in particular like do you, would you say that you enjoy writing 
Yeah, I think I think it's a necessity almost since I spend so much time on like writing reports. Yeah. However, like it's hard for me to like sit down and say now I'm gonna skip hacking and now I'm gonna write a, a you know a blog post about something because uh, as what often happens is like I'm not writing a short little blog post no. on what I did yesterday. It's like it's gonna be mm-hmm. like a huge article and I need like I have one here. That, that I'm I'm still cooking on. It's been cooking since January, and I know for a fact that I like I can't start you know directly going at it. I need I need to explain a lot of shit before I can come to the to the conclusion of what I found. And it's gonna take it's gonna take a week, two weeks maybe, yeah. and it's gonna be painful. Like a, a lot a big part of writing blog posts for me is like painful painful you know going back and realize how hard everything was or how long it took and like i really want to emphasize that also in the latest blog post i have it's like it's a big focus on how much pain goes into like wait like spending that time and and it's great that you mentioned that because i will and and i'm not sure if if you're talking because you mentioned just a second ago you 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 had a a blog post you're working on i think yesterday so i'm very interested to pick your brain on that but um uh, Mm. i'm I'm talking i'm talking about um the account hijacking using dirty dancing one one of my notes for that one and it's on the list that we'll talk about later but that that blog post is so beautiful because it talks about the ups and downs of doing security yeah. research, right? Yeah. And it talks about like this whole concept of, well, you know, these gadgets, you know, it, it needed to leak these tokens and stuff like that. They, the stars have to align in so many ways for these sure. to be there. And and, Absolutely. It's, and when you go out there and you're like, man, I feel like this might be a systemic issue. You're challenging something and you're, and you're, you're betting against the odds there. Yeah. And you're really like putting yourself out there by spending a shit ton of time to yes. assess so many different different things yeah. and i think it was I mean, great that you represented it that way in the in the yeah. article and i i think not to not to destroy the discussion later about yeah. it but a, a, one big thing with that the, the whole the whole idea about like my whole theory was not based on finding that bug yeah like i had zero bugs such for such no a long way. time during that. Wow. i didn't even have one you know I, I i had zero bugs i just had a theory that oh this would be so beautiful if if you could get this working, like I had a discussion in the office here, I came here and like, yeah, I'm, I'm having a, like a theory I'm working <laughs> on, but I don't know if it's going to work. Like, this is my idea. And it, if this works, then maybe like crazy. Right. And then, and then like, I had nothing. <laughs> so, so that was, it was such a gamble. It was, it was hundred percent a gamble on like, let's then go look for it. Like how, sh- like I had no idea how to do it. So, that was very painful also in the in the way of like, oh, I'm really trying to, as you said, like getting the stars to align. Mm. But then suddenly like one of the my my favorite programs turned out to have that thing. That mm. that was the like the trigger that I, okay, there I, I'm right. Like mm. there is something here. Can I come up with other you know idea gadgets or whatever? So everything came out of ideas, not from uh, like real life. That was the big difference with that blog post. All other blog posts are based on reality first, and then I'm moving backwards trying to like see a systemic issue about it. This was 100% idea, trying to squeeze it in, it, like very fitted into 10 years since the blog post I learned from. Like everything was aligned. Like, can I can I write a good OAuth blog post 10 wow. years after my idols wrote one? Wow. That would be that would be so. It, it was very much like 
I really need to find a way for this to work. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. So, so when you're like approaching stuff, like we've we've talked a little bit about this of sort of like the really out of the box type of thinking versus the like more like data driven, context driven, yeah. developer driven type of methodology. Do you? do you like going down that route of more just like maybe this is happening or do you find that it doesn't really pay off most of the time? So it, it doesn't pay off uh, a lot of the times. Uh, so I, I mentioned the Google uh, cloud storage, the, the cloak, like that was the whole idea with that research was to find systemic issues around that. Like we found some of them, but they weren't, you know, I wouldn't say you couldn't execute them in bug bounty programs uh, you could maybe execute them, you know, if you want to report things to Google. But but for Google, in Google's aspect, they wouldn't be like really bad bugs. They would be like coincidental misconfigures c- together with like odd, you know, conf- like odd configurations for Google, but also for the customer using them and stuff. But so that turned out to be like, uh, we don't really have anything. We have a, a decloak tool. Maybe that could be fun to blog about. Maybe we can do like a decloak bu- uh, blog post talking about the, the ways we found these decloaking mechanisms, and and maybe that could be interesting. Like now I'm like now I'm forcing myself to write these blog posts mm. because yeah. it would be weird talking about the blog post so, that I I'm written. So do you? I mean. You mentioned before one motivation for writing the blog posts is, you know, it gets it out of your head and allows you to move on to something different. So I I think that's a really great takeaway. Um, I wanted to ask about, because you're releasing all of these on Detectify, um, you know, on the Detectify blog. Um, and, And so... Is that an intentional decision? Is that to help you know Detectify build brand recognition? Because let me just provide some context from from my mm-hmm. perspective as a hacker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I I don't use Detectify. I'm not I'm not an organization you know where where, where I could use Detectify. Yeah. But my respect for Detectify is like mm-hmm. you know very yeah. high because of all this super high quality research. Same sort of thing you see with Asino, right? Where they're yeah. constantly putting out high quality research. Um, yeah. So you know, besides the motivation of, of, um, you know, getting it out of your head, what are some other motivations that you have for doing the blog posts and hosting them on Detectify? I think, I think one important aspect is like, they, I've been a part of it for so long. So it's important for me to like, uh, I respect, like, I respect the whole team so much that I yeah. want to show them that, that it's like very important part of who I am yeah. and where I'm at, uh, as well as like, Sometimes I actually like me and Frederick sometimes collaborate on blog posts and he's he's, you know, uh, working here uh, Mm. from day to day as well. So I think it's like this office for me is a very good way of uh, doing, you know, uh, what's it called? Like brainstorming Mm. and things like trying to figure out things. So most often uh, I I tend to present to them first what i'm thinking about sure and then because of the knowledge here i can get like feedback on like maybe you should do this maybe you should do that or maybe you should call it dirty dancing uh, which yeah, was yeah. like <laughs> that's it great was like emily in mm-hmm. the office like you should call it it's like sounds like dirty dancing to me like yeah that's, yeah that's a, that's, that's great. a good name so i i think that it's very helpful having a context nearby where where a lot of people know exactly what you're talking about mm. and and you know the the technology, so I, I think that's that's very helpful. Also, like I'm I'm obviously still a part of the tech file. Right. Not not that I'm writing any code, and I shouldn't. But, right. <laughs> uh, but but it's it's I, and I think also like I I don't have a 
big gain, I think, on like making my own personal blog and creating a name out of that. I'm more than happy to like attach myself to a company that yeah. I that I value and and like am a part of much yeah. more than than doing it, you know, well, privately trying to build a brand. And you, and you kind of get a, a two for one when you do it because I mean sure. I don't know maybe maybe it's just the fact that your brand is already established, you know, in the in the community, right? Um, but yeah. uh, you know when we when we look at this blog post and we say okay, Detectify is releasing this. But Franz is writing it, you know, it, you kind of get, um, you know, it's almost like, to, to put it in SEO terms, it's almost like you get domain authority on on Detectify and you get, you know, community yeah. authority from yeah. Franz. So it, yeah. it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. And man, when I'm thinking about where to go next here, there's so many, you know, we could go down the route of like, let's talk about, about dirty dancing. We could talk about, uh, you know, ha hackering plus entrepreneurship. And, and I think that that is where I want to go with this next one, mm -hmm. which is like, so you, you go, you come into this company, you know, you started Detectify with, you know, years ago with, with, you know, Matthias and, and them yeah. all based off of, you know, uh, that security research. What, what role, do you play in this company and like what because to me it kind of seems like you just kind of run around and you're like hey guys what if we did this blog post and like what if like have yes, you seen this cool no. technical idea and like who the heck are you to this company yeah. like so it's a good that you say that because like one of the things happening with the companies that i have built when they are growing up there is like a big discussion on like how do we squeeze france into the regular, you know, day-to-day -day basis. Like, what can we do? So I was, I was a, a scrum, uh, what, what was that called? I was uh, like a scrum, scrum master? breaker. No, scrum breaker. Scrum breaker. Okay. <laughs> so I went in and like, we should do this. And like the whole scrum team is like, we hate you. I, so yeah. I, was the, I was the scrum breaker. And, and, and so, it, and every time when, when it gets like more than 40, 50 people, it's like, how do we fit? this weird person individual into this organization so, and it's like yeah how do you how did you so one of the things that i find really difficult and even just the small entrepreneurial endeavors that i've been a part of is delegating like and, yeah. and so when you started these companies have you had other players that are you know the executive players from the very beginning or how yes. do you how was it hard for you to give up control or delegate um you know uh, jobs to different people and how did you so, move out uh, of that okay so I, I could say like this one of the benefits i had was to have a business partner early on that was very much into sales and also yeah. into managing that's awesome uh, i think that was the helpful part so i always had to you know take the technical jacket on and 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 be the one in b both in charge of the team doing the technical things but also uh, together with the team trying to figure out how to solve certain things like in the beginning it was me building you know building uh, everything and then we we got like our first employee that was a developer and we 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 worked really well together with, so we could start building it uh, also like mm. this was an e-commerce uh, platform it's still alive it's called Centra it was smaller then it's bigger now uh, but but so when we started building Centra uh, we uh, I was always down on the floor mm. so to say I was always a part of the team that was like my whole concept of like uh, my my way of managing in the technical team was to be just one one of the guys mm. like i was never you know doing any salary talks that was never my my uh, my job i was not doing any one and ones 
So one-on-ones was do- done by someone else. I was the, you know, CTO in the way that like, I'm going to play with new technologies. I'm going to try to execute them if Freaking I find something that. and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to together with the team, like sometimes make a smaller team out of the bigger team just to make something reality as fast as possible. But that thing only works when you go up to like, when we, we turn into 50 or 60 people, that's when it's like really hard to like take some people out of the dev team and get to do some fun new thing and then trying to move them, put them back again. And like, everybody's happy. Like that, that's not how it works. So it, it became really hard for me to like squeeze, like be squeezed in and like get to play with the fun toys. Uh, so I, I've come to the realization that like, I can, I can build, I'm, I'm really good at like starting from zero. Yeah. And then when, when we, we get up to 40, 50 people, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, roll it out I'm, of the picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's basically, yeah. And I think it's good for everyone if I do that because else it's just so much politics around. I love how he says that. On, like, else, else, else it's this. You know, like, <laughs> else than that. It's literally yeah. the programming <laughs> exception is, on it. is yeah, making exactly. <laughs> into the verbiage. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. That, uh, so I think that's that's the, the the aspect of it is is yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that was an answer to no, your question. No, it, it is, man, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's a great. I mean, what a great position to be in. What a dream of a position. And I think so many people that have the entrepreneurial itch that are also technical people dream yeah. of positions like that. Of like, okay, I, I'm I'm C-suite. You know, I I have influence on this organization, but all the crappy stuff like sales yeah. and management. I'm going to just yes. not do that. And I'm going to do, do I'm going to, yeah. we all know that this is how it works best too. When you're operating in your area of expertise, when you're operating Absolutely. in yeah. your passion. So th- that just highlights the, the importance of trying to find someone who, who, you know, that's a partner that's very passionate yeah. about sales and, and management and that sort of thing. So that you yeah. each can operate in your own sort of, you know, expertise. Genre. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. expertise. Yeah. I also love that like co-founder model where, like it's really hard to be good at everything. Yeah. And I think it's much more of an anomaly to be good at like both aspects of the business, yeah. like both the technical and like the 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 really refined like fine point, like how does the product or yeah. feature or service or whatever actually work versus like getting it sold and yeah. like getting customers and getting it marketed and that kind yeah. of stuff. And trying to balance both of those things as one person is yeah. really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes you either have to subsidize that temporarily by yeah. like either taking dead or using your own personal money to like pay people to do that or For you sure. get just like drowned in doing everything by yourself yeah, and yeah. every single day is like a 12 to 16 hour day yeah. just like yeah. doing sales and also writing the product and everything also sending else. emails and yes. yeah doing like everything at That's, once and so if you can start out by having that balance yeah. it's just like really but really it's huge. not that i it's not that we realized that to begin with like i had salary talks but the only thing happening was that i raised everybody's salary like way too much <laughs> so it's like uh, we we came like we we had a gift no t- more salary like a, talks for franz <laughs> no and i had we had like a christmas gift thing and we, we we're like giving away iphones and it's like oh my gosh. we had so little money uh, on on the first day of like, the year afterwards and it was like 
maybe I shouldn't do this. Uh, I should not be <laughs> the, the one in charge of like, because I wanted everybody happy. Like that was my, because yeah. So, so I, I came into this podcast thinking Franz is like some <laughs> hacker entrepreneurial genius. And now I'm leaving thinking yeah. Franz is running around annoying people until he doesn't have to do the parts <laughs> of the job that he doesn't want him to. Probably. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, there, great, that's the truth, I guess. But it's like, yeah. I, I mean, there's some truth also to like, uh well, we we kind of realized like where where do where is my execution the best like the, exactly. the best place to be in and yeah. like that that was the that was the way to yeah, like no. grow very fast i i, I make a joke uh, about that but but yeah, really yeah. you know it, it that's the wisest thing to do truly and yeah. and, and so um yeah there's there's I guess one of this is more of a personal question for, for from my perspective one of the things i've struggled with is is you know releasing that and, and being like, yeah. all right, you know, I actually just need to delegate this job to someone else. Yeah. And, and the reason why I struggle with that is because it's like, okay, well, a lot of times in the beginning, that means giving up equity. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, and cause you don't have the money or if you do have the money, you don't want to, you know, I don't know, just sink all of your life savings into a thing, yeah. which actually you mm -hmm. hear about entrepreneurs doing all the time, which is just, sure. you know, awesome and inspiring. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that, is that what you, what you had to do? I mean, is that what is that what you need to do? Is you just need to give give the equity so that you don't have to do this part of the job, and that's the yeah. right I, decision I from I, your perspective? I I wouldn't say we had to do that from the get go mm. uh, at all uh, mm. to begin with, but we came. I think uh, our our perspective of it has changed because of experience. Like in the beginning, we could actually you know with a salary get people engaged and get people to actually do things and build and have fun. Like we had a lot of fun building these companies because sure. it was so much hands-on. We were like out there, we were, you know, I was developing things next to the customers, you know, at like there was a big like spectacle around, yeah. you know, how we, how we did business in the beginning. Uh, but, but then I think, um, Oh, I lost the thread. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, what, what was the question? Well, it, the, <laughs> the question is is like I guess at the end of the day, what I need you to tell me is that oh, yeah, yeah, it's worth it to, yeah. to give to to delegate yeah. these jobs, right? So, so what happened? What happened then was that I, uh, uh, when it comes to, uh, oh, I had it. Yeah, it, it came it, and then I lost I, it. And it's funny. I I, I get those yeah. same sort of things when when yeah. I'm in these situations on a podcast in particular because yeah. it's so hard I to keep so the thread of it. I have so much to explain there, but it's like I lost it. Dude, I I yeah. think I think it's it, so, yeah. So what happened was that we got people uh, employed without like giving away actual equity because we both had a really fun place to be at because of the spectacle, but also because they like we were paying a fair kind of salary. Yeah. But then we like during all these years. And I think also it's like a, uh, like how the society works. Like there's a much more talk now about you know getting equity when mm -hmm. you're building a startup and stuff. And we we never we never really called ourselves a startup because mm. we we made money from day one. So we we never you know had a problem with uh, you know uh, money wise. Uh, but that's but important. I think that's an important yeah, so, uh, you know that that's an important factor there because if you're making money from day one if you yeah. build your MVP and you actually have that validated by yes. by receiving money then all of these issues of like 
start to start to disappear because at the end of the day yes. you can just hire yeah. someone and pay them you know exactly because you're, you you do have the money but then i mean a lot of the, a lot of the money i made in bug bounties have been invested into these companies so we all yeah. we had that all we didn't have that from the beginning because that that wasn't how, how it worked in the beginning right. but but during during all these years we had that as a kind of a way to solve a bunch of problems with money obviously mm. yeah uh, but 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 then we also realized that a lot of people that that stayed for a really long time it was much more valuable for them and for us to give them equity and a part of the company yeah so that 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 happened after a longer mm. while but now it's like almost you know a standard thing like if you join a startup you're getting a a part of the equity in some form of you know um like a pool uh, similar sure. uh, equity pool and uh, but but back then it wasn't, and I think that was helpful also into like you know coming getting into that. But but I would say like what what happened now later on with you know getting a, a CEO for example, like we we didn't want to be the CEO of this company, sure. so we we you know found or the, the CEO found us. In those cases, it's always you know you need to give up equity, obviously, yeah, um, because you you want them to be like you know they have to be fully yeah. on you know active on on getting the company to to where everybody else wants wants it. But uh, so I I would say it depends on what kind of position you want to fill or what kind of things you, like you don't need to give away equity for for every every single you know person that joins. Unless you yeah. like, you can find some you good. Zero you know, money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, you can find some some nice equity pooling kind of things where you get like a you know a vesting time and stuff, sure, so sure. you know that people will stay at least that time. Like, but it, but it all matters if you if you have like very key positions. Like then then it, that discussion is relevant. So so I, I wanted to ask one more thing, and and I think you know. Critical Thinking is a podcast focused specifically on bug bounty hunting. So yeah. the entrepreneurial piece of this, while is absolutely fascinating to me, yeah. and I think many of our listeners share that interest, um, I think I may move a lot more of my entrepreneurial questions into a different segment that maybe we'll release under the premium Discord channel or something like that. Um, cool. But yeah. uh, w one last thing that I wanted to ask about this was when you were taking bug bounty money, and, and putting it into the companies, how were you thinking about that mentally? Were you thinking about that as this is Franz's money that he's investing into the company? Or were no. you thinking I'm working for the company and I'm I'm generating this income that is just getting direct directly put right into the company? Yeah. So what what happened was we me and my business partner we're 50-50. And uh, this was my way of uh, providing uh, so what I did was providing quick capital sure. and like m monetary wise the capital. Yeah. But he was building like he he's he was in charge of being the CEO and and everything sure. in the beginning. So so he was in charge of building the company, you know, making the company more valuable. But I was bringing in the the quick bucks to actually make it you know much more uh, easy to solve problems and, and to scale uh, easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's to scale easier. So so. We we both agreed that like we're putting in different things, but we need to align somewhere here where like it's fine for me and still fine for him. And like I think it's a weird balance also, especially when when the bug bounty is like you can go from one month you're getting you know 
this amount and and a live hacking event you get this amount yeah and, yeah and it, it it turned really complex in the end and it turned turns into a lot of money if you're if you're good at what you're doing so yeah. uh, i think it, it in the end it it was probably like we we don't have that this this uh setup anymore uh and i i think that's that's probably for the best because it can clearly like misalign you know uh, interests 100%. over time especially when it's when it's when it when it you know now we've got uh, a bug bounty company where franz does <laughs> hacking and then we pay employees you know like yeah yeah no it's, it's complex is franz's yeah. bugs <laughs> yeah no, that, exactly it's that's like, great like, like bug hunting as a certain i don't know what to call it yeah it's like funding by bug bounty hunting yeah for sure yeah. um okay so we'll we'll I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and cross off my uh, hacking plus entrepreneurial section here. Um, yeah. Thank you for those awesome in, insights, Franz. That's that's awesome. And and I, I know you and I have had some personal chats, you know, from time to time about uh, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship plus. Um, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> what, what was, what was it? Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know plus hacking. So uh, definitely a lot of wisdom to be yeah. received there. Um, bringing us back on track to the to the hacking stuff, I did want to talk about one of my favorite um, talks that you've ever done, which just essentially looked like prophecy to me looking back in, in the past, which is your Attacking Modern Web Technologies talk oh, that you did yeah. in 2018, mm-hmm. um, uh, almost exactly five years ago. Yeah. Um, and attacking modern web technologies. There were so many awesome pieces to this. There was um, app caches and service workers. Uh, you know, there was post message stuff. Yeah. There was upload I mean, policies. All, all, yeah. yeah, the the policies, the S three mm. policies, all sorts of stuff all over the place. So um, once again, mandatory mandatory reading for anybody who's listening. Um, the crazy thing about to me about this talk is like this is still the stuff that we're talking about Absolutely. today. Like, yes, and it's, it's this was still five applicable. years ago, right? Yes, and, it's still applicable. Yeah, yeah. Like, I find bugs, like, like I, sometimes I need to go back to those slides yeah. because I find bugs for those things. Exactly. They and, have extremely long lifespan, those blog posts. Yeah. I'm and, surprised myself and, that it's like still working. And this is something that's really, I think, a key listen and also help helps for your for your brand as well, Franz, is that Franz was was talking about this stuff, not not only doing this stuff, but talking about it publicly in 2018, five years ago. And I, I we talk about post message still being an underserved technology even to this day. So keep an eye on anything Franz releases because <laughs> it, it, it will very likely be applicable for the future. Um, uh, so talk to me a little bit about uh, app cache and, and service worker stuff. And then um, in conjunction with that, the beauty of the synergies between cookie stuffing and and these technologies. Yeah, so I think the the the, the interesting part with the app cache uh, that that happened there, there were there were many many fun things with it. But uh, my aspect of it was that I had a really old Dropbox account, and the old Dropbox account were like grandfathered into a place where you could actually host websites on on dropboxusercontent.com uh, and you and if you created a new dropbox account back then you couldn't really run your own like you couldn't render html pages and stuff but if you had a, a legacy dropbox account you could mm. but it was very limited into what you could actually uh, trigger with it or like get it to to um, uh, render um, and 
I came to the conclusion that like, what can I do with an XSS or running an XSS on, on Dropbox user content? And I, I remember I was talking with Matthias then and like, what can we do? Like, can we do something? And we came to the conclusion like, okay, cookie stuffing we can do. So you can make mm. it like unable to actually load because you're filling up the cookie jar so much. So when you're making a request later on, it will fail. So, so um, qu question here. So essentially what yeah. was happening is you were able to host your, uh, you know, attacker controlled content on a domain with, with other attack or, you know, victim content on, on yeah, that same so, domain, right? Yeah, exactly. What happened was you got like a user directory on Dropbox user content that you could host data on. Uh, and then you could, uh, I think it was that oh, I whenever can, I can you see it now and I'll, I'll reference it. Yeah. It's slide 15 for any of those of you that yeah. are following along here. Um, you know, he's got DL Dropbox user content.com slash you, and then the user ID and then yes. wherever you would update stuff. And you got the XSS not by uploading an HTML file, but by using uh, SVG. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it was an XML, no, XML, XML. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yep. Yes. XML. Yeah. So that was the thing. Uh, everything else was like you know getting downloaded and sure, 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 position sure. attachment, uh, but that was the way. But but if you had a new Dropbox account, you would never get the URL to to uh, you, uh, Dropbox user user content. It was only the legacy Dropbox account That's that really had cool. that feature enabled. Um, so that was the you know the the weird part first with with having that. So we knew that we could do cookie stuffing, and what would happen then if if somebody else sent a link, uh, that would like four or four and uh, or a four of Four five or something. I, yeah. I or five five zero something. Four eleven. Uh, I think yeah. maybe actually. Yeah. 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 So Le so that exactly. concept of of um, cookie stuffing, I learned that from from you and from file descriptor. And and so I I'm think it was file descriptor that that I learned it from. It as was well. from. I was going to ask where did yeah. you get that knowledge? And of course, it goes so, back uh, to another legend, yeah. file descriptor. Yeah, file descriptive, man. And and the funny thing with this bug was that I, I think Matthias was the one mentioning it. We're coming back to file descriptor. So yeah. he mentioned AppCache, and I yeah. started reading up on what AppCache was doing, and Matthias as well. And we started like playing with that and realized that we could you know, host, uh, reference a manifest in, in the XML file. That manifest would then be loaded, and that manifest could be like a regular text or whatever. Sure. And that text could contain and say that if if you're unable to reach this website, you should have a fallback your fallback page of this and that. Sure. Because the whole app cache thing was based on you running an app and you're going offline with your cell phone. So you need to, if you reload the page, you can still visit it. This is crazy. Uh, and it, absolutely crazy. And what happened was that we realized that in our user path, we could put an HTML file or an XML file, and we could say that this is the one that should be loaded if you can't reach the website. And then we realized, okay, does the cookie stuffing result in this thing? And it turns out that yes. So we cookie stuffed and made sure that if you clicked on any other link, we would just steal the URL and then steal the, the wow. page of that signed URL that's, ourselves. That's amazing. But the weird part of was that when we did this uh, blog post, I don't know exactly date-wise. So our bug to Dropbox was here and then here. Yeah. <laughs> and then File Descriptor comes out with a talk uh, explaining this bug. And we were like, but we, what? We, what? So that that was when we wanted we got the Dropbox uh, bug published so we could show that we also figured this That's out. That's crazy. Uh, and and so so he actually did a talk on I think on OWASP, OWASP talk or no or way. something else. But 
And so we, like, we came to the same kind of conclusion, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was great. So I wanted to like highlight that, that like uh, sometimes people can like figure out the same kind of things at the same time. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, like there is like the new thing, and I, I think I'm mentioning it as well, like service workers was a, was a, like a, a replacement for app cash. But yeah. back then, I think it was like very hard to like get a, a service worker to work because yeah. you, you needed to have like a specific header on the service worker file to allow it to run as a service worker. And there were a lot of like if this and that's that that had to work uh, to make it actually yeah. exploitable. It, it seems like there's there's definitely been some change in that area now. And yeah. so, um, you know, I've definitely seen service workers used in in lots of different different contexts. I believe you, and I, I, I always have to, you know, go back yeah. and look at it, but I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I, I'm 99% sure that service workers can be installed without a header now. And the header that if you do supply an HTTP response header, what that will allow you to do is reassign the, uh, the root Existing. path, the the, oh, okay. the um, authority for that service worker. So if you, mm. you know, even though you're installing the yeah. service worker at like slash js slash sj.js or whatever, or sw.js, um, yeah. then, then, you know, you would normally just have authority for the slash js directory. But if you're able to serve that service worker allowed, I think, header, um, then you can get uh, and say, hey, give it permission to slash, then mm. you can now affect all the resources inside run, of run slash. Run everywhere. Um, nice. And it's just, it's such an interesting technology, especially when you pair it with something like uh, subdomain takeover or yes. yeah, or sure. um, you know uh, file upload, because you can gain sort of uh, sort of a persistence in the browser as well um, yeah. using service workers and and um, you know that that. Ex We've seen this also with uh, Truffle Security released a, a tool called Of Cores. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Franz, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's, it's um, it uses a service worker in the background to uh, gain more time to be able to attack different um, websites that have vulnerable cores configurations, mm -hmm. even if you yeah. just visit the page for just an instant. You know, so there's so many mm -hmm. um, I think applicable, uh, you know exploitation scenarios for service workers um, yeah. that, that we, we got to keep our eye on because they, they have tremendous impact. Yeah, no, and I agree. But like, I, I guess the core concept first is like, you need to have an XSS to begin with. Yes. And, and then you probably need to have arguments on why that XSS wasn't important uh, in the beginning. And I sure. guess like storage, uh, like a bucket storage is a, is a, is a good argument on like, an XSS there doesn't do anything, but if you have persistence, you can like show. And I think that was what the the, the bug showed was like, it's a sandbox domain. It doesn't have any impact, but you have persistence. And, and, and that's the way to like gain access to other URLs and stuff. I just thought about something, Franz. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things we're going to talk about a little bit later, assuming we don't have to cut for time, is this middleware misconfigurations yes. that you, you talked about. So what if we chained that, right? Like we, we yeah. changed the mid middleware misconfiguration. Um, and, and so now we, we can use that to hit a different bucket on the, so 
just to be, I'm going to give the TLDR of the, of the middleware misconfiguration thing. If you, if you essentially, with some Nginx configurations, if you hit it, if you put a bunch of escape characters, you know, um, new lines and stuff like that in the URL and they have some specific proxy pass rules, um, then you will be able to re rewrite the rest of the request and hit other S3 buckets or other backend yeah. entities. And host your own content. Basically. Exactly. So what if we, yeah. we chained that with service workers, right? Um, sure. Where you could then hit your own S3 bucket and, and issue. But I'm, I'm wondering... Do I mean, you, you still have stored, stored XSS, I guess. Like, somebody needs to visit your URL still, and, and that one would still make you host whatever content you want on that website. So, the, but the, the thing you're gaining is the, persi the, the persistent thing right. that you can actually make it load. But they still need to visit it once. Can you, uh, can you uh, I'm wondering though, can you set he response headers in S3? Yeah, it depends. If it's S3 website, you can, some of them. Uh, but, I mean, you could also, if it's S3 website, you can still redirect it to whenever. Like, and depending on, like, the CSP, for example, you can still redirect it elsewhere. I don't know if that helps you, though. No, no, because what I'm thinking is, like, wouldn't no. it be cool if we could insert some some new line characters overwrite the the backend bucket right have the bucket serve a a yep. service worker and then insert the service worker header to slash so now so that oh, yeah. we, mm -hmm. we we gain you know that service worker authority um, yeah. and get XSS, stored XSS on every single page that yeah. the user visits within the browser. I think that could yeah. be really cool. I mean, S3 website would uh, allow you to do this. If it's if the S3 website uh, is, if it's proxying you to S3 website and you can inject something to modify what bucket yeah. it's going to serve as a website, you can inject whatever header you want. I guess it depends on the host. Because I wonder, I wonder if, if we are hitting, so let's say they're sending a request to, you know, whatever.s3.amazon.aws.com. And then we overwrite the host header on that. I wonder if it uses that same load balancer origin IP for you nope. to, to insert a header to hit S3 websites. Like if, if, you, nope. if you put in, a, it no. doesn't. Okay. No. Uh, S3 website is also quirky because it only responds on HTTP and not HTTPS. Oh, what? Uh, I have no idea why. I think it has something to do with like, you're supposed to put it behind something else, kind of cloud front or whatever. But so they they don't have the same load balancer, and you can't really get to S3 website from S3, as far as I know. At Weird. Least. Yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely a, it's an very area. isolated. It's like a totally it's like an overlay over S3. It's like S3 website is like its own thing that renders whatever you want, basically. Yeah, we'll definitely have to research that a yeah, little bit more sure. in depth. The, the other area that yeah. I was thinking that this could be interesting is with CRLF injection uh, and into the response headers, right? If you can do response splitting, assign the service worker a loud header. Then you can make a service worker out of the response splitting. Yeah, sure. That would be pretty But lit, you need right? something to load it. I mean, you could probably make two CRLF, one CRLF to load a fake document and one CRLF that loads a fake service worker with the header to install it. Absolutely, that should work. Yeah, sure. That's that's yeah. that's some good. Nice. That's some good shit yeah. right there. Um, yeah, that's fun. That, then you get persistence. Yeah. Uh, huh. 
I'm just interesting. I'm, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about all the possibilities. Today, with I can see the gears turning in yeah, Justin's. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, as soon as he hangs up, he's gonna. He's huh, got three programs. He's, he's gonna, gonna go look at. But then, really then you, quick. then you, and then you can probably, you know, escalate it to, you know, steal access tokens and stuff. And yeah, I mean, uh, you can probably do things with that. I guess. And it, it makes it a lot more. It makes it. I mean. It's a little bit interesting, right? Because technically what that could result in then is we could get plain we could leak the user's plain text password without user interaction, right? Because I like you said, what what are we actually what first, are we actually, I guess. what do we actually yeah. gain from this? Because at that point if we have stored XSS, right? Then we can just open up whatever pages we want in an iframe and then do whatever we want, right? And do whatever. Yeah. yeah. But but one of the things that we can't do is is without more entry user interaction is leak the user's plain text password assuming they don't have any yeah. crazy thing yeah but but due to the persistence you can uh, you can get them to yeah sure which which really escalates pretty much any and then i guess it's you, a reflected more than uh, stored uh, but you turn it into more of a store. A client-side store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A client-side yeah. store XSS. Yeah. Client-side store. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. And then and then this yeah. this is a really good um, ATO mechanism because some especially if you then proceed to cookie bomb, like a, a specific path that that issues you know an auth token or something like that, mm-hmm. it forces the user to to clear their cookies and re-off the next time that they, uh, yeah, they go into the in. application. Yeah. And at that point, if you've got the service worker, you can hijack the, pa- the, the plain text password. Yeah. We get, that, this, is, this is some good... I need to get yeah. you on this podcast more often. For, this yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, no. This is really good. Okay. So, um, wow. As much as I would like to sit there and just uh, think on that <laughs> for the next little while, <laughs> let's, let's try to keep rolling. Um, it's probably a sin, but I'm going to skip this whole uh, section on um, S3 policies and cloud policy uploads, which is a really awesome part of, of the Attacking Modern Web Technologies uh, talk. And I'm going to jump to something that we've talked a little bit more about on the podcast uh, often, which is um, the the post message stuff. Um, yeah. So uh how did you because i <laughs> once again you're one of the one of the first people that I, I you know sort of introduced me to post message stuff yeah where where did you how did you come up with this and then what what was it like you know sort of seeing this did somebody else's research spur this thought in you or was it just how does this work no sort of vibes? Uh, that's that's a really good do you remember question, i guess is the first no, question i i don't i, I actually don't 100 percent remember yeah. where I think I think like this. I think there were examples of vulnerable cases already. Post- sure. Like I wasn't the one showing that you can exploit it, uh, but I started to. So I think I did a lot of focus back then on. I think it was Dropbox. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. And I think it was. So it was also like payment providers. There was something. Because payment providers tend to do a lot of, and you had to talk yourself yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and what happened was that there was a as a as a, a huge amount of payment providers that started moving over to post message, and you always had a really hard part finding all the post message listeners. So, as I did back then, I was discussing with Matthias, like, wh- how how do we figure these things out? Mm. And and we came to the conclusion that like okay probably an extension and then I sat down and wrote a bunch of like 
you know, inside iframes deep, you know, uh, post message that that get listeners that get triggers by actions and and a lot of different. I think it's still in the repository. There's like an example.html with a yeah. bunch of listeners, and and just to like try to figure out what we can do about it. And I I, I made my first uh, version of the of the extension and like okay, this will be usable. Like oh, just the number. Even though you have like five iframes deep, a listener the number counter on the post message listener Chrome extension will still, you know, increase mm. uh, versus looking at the, the source uh, events, global events, and you only see the iframe you're currently selected. Yeah. I was like, this is a terrible functionality. Uh, so I made my first version of this and I, I talked with the Google team because I told them like, why can't you just like, I don't want to start building an extension. Like, can't you just fix so you can see all the listeners in all iframes? Yeah. And they were like, no, this is how it's supposed to be and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's okay. terrible. And it's something, something yeah. that I talked about in my talk as well. But like, yeah, you got to do your due... In, in, you still even have to do your due diligence to go and show where all of the you know, to, to go suss all of the listeners because something may not be utilizing that listener, right? So yes. in that case, it won't show up in post message tracker. Yeah. So you've still yeah. got to go through and do it. One of the, and you know, it's my fault as, as well, because I haven't contributed to that nice private repo you put me on for, for, yeah. for post message tracker, but no I think it would be really cool to, to add a, a line that that shows every time a post message tracker is registered and where it's registered. Yep. So you, yep. so you you know just like you get a request where it, you know you get a, a log in your console when it gets sent yes. through, um, yes. when a post message is sent through. You can also yeah. get a log when one is registered, so you can know. Okay, well, the you know my. <laughs> Uh, child Windows third iframe yes. has registered a launched a, uh, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. listener that and, that could be really and, cool because that attack surface is all over the place like you mentioned absolutely and and I would say the most common ones I found nowadays are the ones not initiated from from start but by yeah. action yeah so they they just because you so I have an example in one talk I did on, in Amsterdam for like a live hacking event. Basically, what happened was that when you clicked on upload document, there was a listener started ah. at that action. And then you could do whatever. You could basically read whatever document you uploaded. You could read it uh, from the sandbox. Uh, but, but So th there's a bunch of those like action-based listeners that gets triggered uh, by things. And what I've seen late, like lately also, and I think one of the biggest tricks that up my sleeve with the Postman's listener was the unpacking of the wrappers. Yeah. Uh, so basically everything is wrapped through New, new Relic or Rollbar or yeah. uh, there's a bunch of those. But And jQuery also has its own wrapper. But the way of figuring out how to bypass the wrapper and then go directly to the function so you can get like the real function that is actually being triggered. That was, I think, the, the golden nugget in, in the extension that, is, that, that was really helpful. And uh, what I've seen lately now is like people using message ports, which is like yeah. an addition to, to post message where you send an initial post message with a port. And that port can then be, you know, you can shuffle that port between iframes, uh, but the one having the port is the one getting the messages. Yeah, um, dude, I'm so glad so, you mentioned that because I just found my first, you know, bug using mm -hmm. message ports in a live hacking event maybe 
well, I won't say exactly when because because that'll give it away. Uh, but but within yeah. the past year, right? Um, yeah. And and it was uh, it was very interesting. And I think one of the things that that was crazy there is it. it, it Sometimes people will just get a port and then they'll just shove data into it without doing, yes. you know, or, or origin checks or anything like that too. No, no, and no. So exactly. you know, it, it actually even creates more complexity and more room for vulnerabilities yeah. when you when you're utilizing the message port stuff. Yeah, and it's fun because you can you can have a message port from one little iframe, and if you get hold of that message port, you can take it into a different iframe, and then the 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 window thinking it sends sends it to the iframe is actually sending it cross domain somewhere else so yeah that message port can be you can juggle that message port wherever you want which is quite kind of funny that it's like just a connection it's basically like a a socket that yeah. you can that shuffles data it's i'm also kind of surprised that we haven't seen more post message based tooling out there like Maybe I'm just naive, but your post message tracker is pretty much the only extension that I've seen that yeah. that does anything like this. So, um, one, thanks for doing that because otherwise yeah. we would have no introspection yeah. I use into it, this. I use it every day myself. It's yeah. my, the, the only probably extension I use myself, and every every day I'm looking at it. So it's like I'm. It's a good example of like writing something that would yeah. you, you would use yourself. Yeah, uh, and it's hundred percent like that. Like it, it doesn't go a day without me looking at I'd, it. I, I'd kind of like also to just to highlight, you know, the importance of understanding browser mechanics and stuff like that. So let's say, for yeah. example, you, you, you know, post message stuff was just coming out or something like that, right? And you go to a page and you see a, a, a an iframe open up or, or not an iframe, a pop up, you know, open up. And it does something, and then it, you know, that change somehow seems to appear back on the on the original window, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you don't see any HTTP requests, so it's not pushing it out to the server and yes. not coming back, right? So you're like, wait a second, how the heck is this working? Because if you have a an understanding of browser mechanics, you you know, yes. you would need you need some sort of reference to pass it and that sort of thing. Yeah. Same um, origin kind of works still. Yeah, same uh, origin so, is fine for that. Yeah. 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 So it's it's important to understand, you know, if it's happening cross origin like that, you can't just, you know, say parent, you know, no. or opener dot, you know, window, you know, whatever, and just define variables or trigger callbacks in the parent window yeah. if it's cross origin. So you've, so having the, a strong understanding of same origin policy, yeah. having a strong um, understanding of of um, window references, you know, yes. that those sort yeah. of things are essential to be able to identify these sort of issues. Um, yeah, for sure. As the technology yeah. evolves, absolutely. So. And I think I one one thing that I, I I did some talks on it, but I think is there will be a lot more bugs on it. It's it's client side race conditions with post message. I I think that's I think I was early on with it. Uh, yeah. But I think that there are much more places to investigate that might be similarly vulnerable to it. I, uh, I, I don't have, so I've got a couple client side race conditions um, mm -hmm. in place, um, it, it bugs that I've found. And I'm actually doing some research on them right now, uh, I, nice. which I'll share with you after this, after this chat. Um, and maybe we can collab on it because mm -hmm. uh, the implications of it are pretty gnarly. Um, but uh, it, it's, I need to do what you did with <laughs> uh, a 30 dancing and just yeah. like, you know, work through all the, all the pathways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Work with all the pathways to it. But yeah, I mean, there, there's, so many things that can be said about that one piece that is not super relevant to the to the um, to the bug that the or to the research that I'm talking about is the 
the concept of client-side race conditions via post message when um, one of the people is using json.parse. So th the, mm -hmm. the thing about json.parse is that it it when you're parsing that that json data from a string back into a json object, yeah. that takes computational power yeah. to, to load up all those objects, right? So mm -hmm. I had a scenario when I was getting a post message at two different windows at the same time, right? And I mm -hmm. needed to be, so this window was relaying, the first window that would receive the post message was relaying it to me, the attacker. But then oh, that yeah. first window would respond to the post message and set some configuration settings, right? So I had to receive you it. You needed the message to be first, but yeah. you also needed to read it faster than the other Exactly. One. So the, fir the first window <laughs> that received it yeah. was using JSON string, parse. Yeah, string instead, matching, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I used mm -hmm. I used just substring, right, to extract yeah. this, this variable that I needed ID. to send yeah. the message and nice. was able to win the race back to the first window. Oh, that's um, awesome. And, and so uh, that's, a, that's a cool little, little tip, I love, tip I love for those, the listeners there. I love those things are, are beautiful. JSON parse is a little bit... Um, computationally yeah. also also i think like the whole concept of sending uh object like arbitrary objects i know file descriptor made one of those using blob yeah uh, but there there are a bunch like you can send a regex object yeah uh, and and so there's a bunch of these like if this is not a string kind of bugs that you can find just because you're sending a completely different object with post message. Uh, yeah. I think it's like file, blob, regex. There's a bunch more that you can uh, you can send over. Wow, I didn't know that actually. I got to look yeah. into that. And I know that yeah. some some providers have implemented frameworks where, like serialization and deserialization oh, yeah. frameworks yeah. that just make my yeah. life terrible. <laughs> they are crazy. I know. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I've seen those as well. Yeah, uh, it takes a lot, lot of time, but. Sometimes in those cases, I, I rather look for the the sinks first. Exactly. Or like, like is is it even you know? Can Worth I my time to go down this fun? path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, those, those are tricky. I agree. Wow. Um, all right. M moving along, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this next one pretty quickly. But I will say for any of you that are are aspiring to be live hacking event participants, uh, this talk by by Franz, uh, live hacking like an MVH, a walkthrough on methodology and strategies to win big, uh, is an amazing talk that talks about the live hacking event experience and yeah. how to do well at live hacking events. Um, so we talk about a lot of this stuff as well. Also, let me just say, uh, as of this past Vegas, I have been. Uh, what is it? Deseated, unseated, as the as tied for the most MVHs, and now Franz has taken back his rightful ti title True. as um, you know MVH master of sorts. So I will get that back, Franz. G yeah. Give me some time. At some point. Um, uh, at some point, I guess. Uh, but this this you know this talk goes through essentially. Uh, the live hacking event flow and, and actually some of the OG live hacking event flow where you would like, you know, have to use bounty please, which is a, a, a oh, tool yeah. that the Franz speeder. wrote yeah. to automatically submit all your bugs in the beginning. What a crazy time, man, where you would just not, where you would like get, if you didn't get your bug in fast enough, it was just, there was no bounty. Like what the heck? No, exactly. I think, I, I think it was also you got duped. Yeah. Because if someone posted uh, it before, you didn't have a dupe window, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was kind of weird. It like incentivized building those toolings uh, for sure. 
but I know people. I I think there have been live hacking events lately. Also needed it like that needed to get in things quick. So I've I've yeah. gotten requests to like re, like reignite that project, man. Yeah. Because like and and I think it's also to be honest because a lot of people tend to write markdown reports themselves first and then trying to like get yeah. it in squeeze it into the the, the bounty platform so um, for those of you that my, my favorite mm. part about bounty please by the way is that it's all written in bash yeah uh, okay yeah i love Bash. <laughs> damn i write everything in bash man. I, yeah so yeah. I, I was gonna ask that same question joel like dude why do you write everything in bash like like pipelines man you can it's like a functional functional language because you can pipe everything through everything like it's it's like that's where Python and me does Python script into some other Python. I mean, sure, like, but but now you like your whole script is based on piping data through, you know, conversions and and things. So I think I think it's just uh, my mentality is not like this is a script and this is a pipeline with the script. It's more like my script is my pipeline. Or often I think it's wow. like an organic thing of like my 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 script is becoming it's becoming a script because i used a pipeline and now i'm like so i think it's just my mentality of like that's and i think i i tend to use it so much also because it's like it, it goes so fast on building it yeah uh you know we'll, we'll we'll roll away we'll let you we'll let that fly we'll let that slide no worries um it's and okay. and we'll okay. i wanted to talk to you about collaboration in live hacking events. And I want to read a quote from um, the, the, this article. And you give a lot of great advice uh, in this article or in this, um, in this slide deck about um, essentially doing the work that other people aren't willing to do, uh, um, oh, yeah. focusing on the boring stuff and, and you know, configuring all the things that other hackers won't configure. That's the way to get yeah. the big bounties and the way to hit sort of untapped attack surface. And that's great. So I wanted to shout that out. But I also wanted to talk about yeah. this section where you said... Uh, where you're talking about teaming, because teaming is something that we talk about on critical thinking a lot. Joel and I, Joel is one of the the few people, um, actually one of the only people I think that I have ever done, in my opinion, successfully done a a collaboration with over the past five years, where it was a full from the beginning yeah. to the end collaboration, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's because I've been burned a little bit in the past on large teams. Um, and th and that, that yes. is what it is. Everyone needs to have that learning experience. But I get a little bit of a bad rap for being anti-collaboration now. I'm not anti-collaboration by any stretch. Um, but you give some really great advice here. So let me read that. T with regards to teaming, team up with someone that, one, will put similar effort into as you. Two, might know stuff you don't. Three, helps you cover more attack surface. Four, you can communicate with and brainstream or brainstream, uh, brainstorm. And then you say, both, yeah, right. right exactly. <laughs> uh, if you look at, uh, freaking Matthias's DMS, it might be seen more of a brainstream than a brainstorm. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Brainstream yeah. also. Um, and then you yeah. say, keep, keep teams small two to four. If three or more effort will differ, allow splitting differently for two people. 50% is always the simplest. So that was sort of like the brain dump of, of collaboration wisdom you yeah. did back in the day. Yeah. Do you still hold to all that? Absolutely, hundred percent. I think, and I, I think it's very interesting also in terms of like where, uh, when, like I do try to collaborate with new people all the time, um, and and you know once or twice, sometimes maybe around one bug, and sometimes maybe you know during an event or during just a target, uh, sometimes even, and. 
I always come to the conclusion that it's like a lot easier to do it to people uh, because then it's it's much easier to you know it's very simple then if if both are collaborating then then the full team is there but if you're three maybe two of them are working together one night the other one can't and like it's it it just after two it becomes like really hard to align that everybody's doing equal work because you do you don't want to end up in like me personally would not like to end up in the in the scenario where i get paid for doing nothing uh, and i hope that other people don't feel great about that either <laughs> it's like because i wouldn't i i i sometimes feel bad do, with one person when that person is providing much more than i do uh, but i i at least try to put in the time trying to find things uh, but so i i struggle a lot with uh, you know often with like i'm like i don't need to be collaborator on this thing because i didn't do anything uh, that kind of mentality uh myself so i really like i enjoy people having the same kind of mentality themselves uh and you quite quickly notice the ones that don't really care and like almost gets to you know ride on a sandwich it's a swedish proverb but but like uh gets gets to do things are getting paid for not what doing what kind of proverb is that ride on a sandwich, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, on a sandwich. it's actually <laughs> it's actually ride on the shrimp sandwich <laughs> what the frick <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like yeah, yeah i don't awesome. I, I yeah it's weird but yeah, yeah. so it's I, I and and so that's why like when you identify the people that like kind of align with you on those things it becomes so much easier to like collaborate and like just focus on the fun stuff which is the hacking part and and try to you know find the best way uh, to escalate the bug yeah i mean that's one of the things i really love about live hacking events is that i find that more often than not any random person at a live hacking event that I walk up to, I'm able to yeah. almost like jump the line and get to a communication level that like is very hard to establish with other people just out of, out of the yeah. gate. And part of that, I think, is just that like we all have a similar kind of technical background. We all have a very common like yeah. base of knowledge about like web security or just even just security in general and yeah. like the types of bugs and stuff. And if you can get past that and just start talking immediately about like technical problems and being on the same page that helps so much with actually making progress with bugs i see this yeah. all the time when me and justin uh co-hack essentially where we'll sit down at a live hacking event and maybe one of us will drive and the other one's just really just like sitting there like looking yeah. like seeing and like the communication like we don't even speak in sentences <laughs> it's just like mm -hmm. what yeah like, yeah exactly. it'll be like oh that's really it'll be like, yeah i mean have we tried doing x y like and we don't even like we kind of just like we're looking yeah. at the same thing. We're consuming the same thing. We can kind of jump through communication and yeah. it, it, almost in shortcuts. Um, and I really love being able to do that. When you get to like more and more people, that starts to fall apart and it becomes less scalable. I think probably I the agree. most you can do that with is maybe like four people where you have four people like sort of huddled around, like throwing ideas before you start to run yeah. into communication problems. Not not even just like the the like barrier to to communication, but just like too many people are talking at the same time yeah. or like there's too many yeah. ideas running yeah. around or there's, or there's too many perspectives where it's like we're not you know yeah. like we're never really going we're down a full going, path because yeah. somebody you know uh, if three people think one thing and the other person's like ah but like you know what about this thing and then you get sidetracked mm -hmm. so it definitely yeah. does work best with with two i think yeah for sure and i i, I the one the, the times we've been four 
it has naturally become, you know, pairs. Uh, so you have two and two that is like very much yeah. line. And we've had done, we have done some live hacking events for people, but sometimes in those, like you, sometimes also like you need to be prepared to have like very tough discussions. Yeah. Like if it goes well, you need to have tough discussions on like, hey guys me and you know x put in a little bit more time yeah. than you guys i are you all uh, like fine with us yeah. you know getting a larger yeah. percentage of whatever it is and 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 those kind of discussions and if you can't have those or if they turn you know ugly then it's going to be a really hard time yeah. to to, uh, to just, collaborate in the future yeah, but if you can have those great ones then it doesn't you know the reason the reason hurt. i bring this topic up often on the podcast is because I want people to be aware of the fact that there there are some sticky situations you can get into with this, right? Absolutely. And so anyone yeah. going into collaboration needs to know that there's risk and there's reward. Um, and, and you need to be ready to have these, these conversations. And here's the other thing. A lot of people will take the high road and, and say like, you know, it's, it's, it's just money, you know, it's not a big deal. But I've found yeah. that those people will harbor resentment, they'll mm-hmm. they'll leave that that yeah. that resentment in their heart right and that that's sure. not that's not yeah. sometimes without but, knowing exactly even. sometimes without yeah. knowing yeah. and that that's not mm-hmm. helpful for the community you know and no. and, and so no yeah, i think the, i i think it's absolutely important to like if you can feel that you dare to have that discussions with the people you collaborate with that's a really good situation to be yeah. in but because if you feel that you can't take that up uh, then maybe you should. I don't know. Th- then it, totally then agree. it becomes like if you if you feel that like I will put that back even personally. Like I will avoid not saying anything, even though I feel bad. Like as you said, like you would feel bad going forward. Like it's much better to like ease it up and say like, hey guys, like I I put in a lot of time in this, and so did he or something. Can we do something about it and let them you know see where they are, what they are suggesting or. You know, maybe they are saying, "Yeah, we 100 percent agree." Mm. Then, okay, then you have, then you you can align that, and then everybody's yeah. happy. Um, th- th- these problems, you don't really have these problems when uh, when you don't find bugs. Yeah, though. that's true. <laughs> that, like these are, are these are like have. the happy yeah. problems. Yeah, it's good problems to have, and and it's really good to train yourself to have those discussions because you might get stepped on if not, and that's not a great feeling to have as, either. So. Um, so I know some people are like trying to measure how much work they put in compared to each other and stuff, but I don't, I don't think that's, uh, that's a, a good yeah, way either. It's just going to get dirty. Uh, but, but I, I think it's, it's all around finding the people that, you know, are putting in the time that you, and you need to try, oh. right. You need to try with, with people and, and collaborate. And sometimes you find those matches like oh. me and Shubs hadn't uh, collaborated, but we did last year. Um, for my mm. first time and and like after that we've been collaborating maybe once mm. a month sometimes more yeah. and it's like it's so easy to do it together we, we're like and also like him him in australia like i have a bug i go to bed uh, I, I write to him before i go to bed like this is what i found yeah. i wake up and he like oh, i found it and it's like <laughs> but like uh, this is magic like this is such a good collaboration and and turning turn a high into a crit yeah. just because like he found something i didn't and that's just the power of collaboration me and matthias does that every single mm. day so it's it's such a such a great thing to uh, to be able to utilize mm. yeah yeah i love that about collaborating like often when i find somebody who's who uh, i collaborate with really well together it's not like 
Um, it's not so much like I, I don't really think about who's found what bug or like how should this be balanced? It's like usually if it's going really well, it's that we're both frustrated about like the same things and maybe like one person finds something that's really yeah. critical uh but it's it's never like just like by themselves like in a corner like you two have both been putting in like a lot of the same amount of brain effort and for me that's yeah. what really matters well, is like absolutely like what you said in your slide is like find somebody who um contributes like a similar amount of yes. uh yeah. of like effort and and you know time in that kind of stuff because it's not really like how many bugs they're finding it's like are you on the same page are you both engaged at the same level like does it yes. feel like we're both putting in the same amount of energy yeah. because that combined energy will get satisfying outputs for both people even if you didn't yes. like find Absolutely. the exact payload or whatever like you were there the whole time yes yeah 100%. exactly and that's exactly 100 percent uh, that and also like i think with with the whole collaboration thing uh, i mean sometimes it's it's like the the wins you do together is it's like they last much yeah. longer than winning yourself like they do and it's not it's absolutely not only money mattering like it's it's actually like we did this together we 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 spent this time to like we 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 did all these things and that win is like so much bigger than than doing yeah, it for yourself. sure I, you know joel that uh, the one of the most um, foremost times that that we collaborated together, that we did a full a full split collab, that is that is one of my favorite life hacking events I've ever done. And my I think I was asked recently in an interview, "What's your favorite hacking memory?" The the time that shell popped was my my favorite hacking memory. So <laughs> absolutely, I, I think I remember this yeah, event. It's, you, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, you guys were similarly tired. Okay, so um, I so the middleware everywhere and lots of misconfigurations to fix. Blog post phenomenal. I think we're going to skip it for now. Um, we talked a little bit about it in the uh, you know when we were yep. talking about the service worker stuff, and we're going to jump right to um, account hijacking using Dirty Dancing and sign in OAuth flows. Want to get in some technical yeah. details here first. I just got to say, I love this concept of breaking the state intentionally, right, in, in, in the OAuth flow. Yeah. Um, could you give us a, talk a little bit about that technique and why that's mm -hmm. so helpful? Because I freaking love it. Yeah, so to be honest, when I found that, that it was a technique, I kind of like, yeah, obviously it is. Uh, but I also realized, like, there is not that many things uh, other than the post message that would be relevant for doing yeah. that or doing so because there's not that much things other than post message today that might leak your full URL. So the whole thing with, with OAuth uh, breaking the state intentionally is basically that you often have this state parameter where combined with the code that you're getting back. And the whole idea with the state parameter is, is that it's first initiated by the website that you're trying to sign into. And then the state parameter basically just gets sent through the, the, the OAuth dance and then comes back uh, identical to what you send it, send it the, the website sent it as. And if it's matching, then it will go through the OAuth flow. So it's a fully, it, it, the, the whole mitigation factor here is that if, if the website itself decides on a state specifically for this uh, user, it can set a cookie or whatever to make sure that it's the same state that comes back. It's actually a mitigation to prevent, you know, 
somebody to send you a link and and get get you to to connect to their attacker account or you know a bunch of other sea surf fish uh, attacks with with OAuth. Uh, but the funny thing is that the whole implementation of validating the state is happening before you acquire the code, which is like the best thing for the attacker if you can leak through your URL, if you can get the victim to use your, your state instead, because then you can just take everything. The, the code will never be used because the validation it's of state fail, is before. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you can take it and rerun the same code. And, and it you will know work. the original state so because you like, generated the original state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I re regenerated it and so, sent so it to the victim. The, the so, concept here is you've got an attacker. He's positioned in such a way that he can redirect a victim somewhere. So, or send the yeah, link to or, it. Or send a link to them. Send the link yeah, to the and, yeah. and um, so they they generate an OAuth flow URL that has a state that only the attacker knows, right? And he gives in a different state to the victim. And when the victim goes through and, and tries to even maybe use exchange that code plus the state for an, an auth token once it bounces back from the OAuth provider, that, that will fail because the state does not match the internal state. But, and then yeah. the code is just sitting in the fragment. And then you yes. can go and get that code and exchange that code plus the state that you know for the... And yes. I've actually seen some scenarios with this where when the OAuth flow fails, it will redirect to a different location, right? And, yes. and that yeah, can yeah. expose you... Well, start site, for exactly, example. Exactly. That yeah. can expose that data mm -hmm. to, more, to more risks, which Attack is rad. Surface. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> And and the, the the funny part with the whole state thing is also like you don't oftentimes you don't because there's a difference between if you get a code back in the OAuth flow you need to get the code to convert into an access token and and most often you need to provide what redirect URI you, uh, that was being used and if that redirect is differing from the redirect URI that was actually being used in the OAuth dance, you might not get the access token. But breaking the state is like you're ending up on the correct redirect yeah. URI. It's there's like that validation is just like completely avoided because the same redirect URI you will end up on the same correct place. Uh, and and but but the state is the only thing that's breaking it. It's awesome. Uh, so it's. It's actually like one of the reasons why some of the parts are automatable yeah. when it comes to dirty dancing gadgets and things. Because what you can do is like you can figure out if there are listeners when you're intentionally like changing the state in a login yeah. flow. If there are listeners somewhere in that, you know, coming back on the error page, you can like easily figure that's, out that something yeah, is. That's that's awesome. there for investigation. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about the ups and downs of, of doing the research in this article, which is phenomenal. Yeah. The other piece that I wanted to talk about was subbing the, the response type the, to token slash ID token mm -hmm. or, or ID token versus code and how that affects how the re redirect URI is used. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the concept I found was that there are certain transfer mechanisms that the OAuth uh, specification tells you to use depending on what type of data uh, the OAuth provider is sending back to the website. What that means is basically like, for example, if you use, uh, um, if you want to get back an access token, the access token is never supposed to be sent as a query parameter. It's actually supposed to be sent as a fragment part of the URL. And the reason for that is, basically that it doesn't show up in access logs on the website. Um, 
you can still reach it with JavaScript, so the website can still get it, but it's not leaked to access logs or anything. The fragment stays on the client side, and it's client-side script that needs to fetch it. Uh, same thing happens with ID token. ID token is like a little bit in, little bit in between, but it tends to be more on the fragment side than than on the um, on the query uh, parameter side. But in addition to this, you have response modes, and some of the response modes will fail if you try to if you try, for example, to get like a a token and you have a response mode query. Sometimes response mode query is is a thing. Then you should be should getting an error. You should you sh you can get it through either through fragment or uh, it's called web post or web message. I think, uh, which is like actually sending data over through post message. Uh, it all depends on the on the OAuth provider what they've decided on being the response modes. Apple made up them their own. Uh, there's also one called form post where it's posting, submitting the, the access token as, as a post request wow. to the website. And that one is, I think I mentioned it in the end as a potential exploitation yeah. factor because uh, Google has, even though you have like really locked up redirect URIs on, uh, on Google, uh, you can still enable a mode uh, with parameters that tells you that it should uh, uh, post uh, post the the data as as a post request, but then you can select whatever URL on the website you want, even subdomains. What? Uh, so that one is is ripe for exploitation. Absolutely. I think. I think that one is not supposed to work as it should. Uh, I mention it because I wanted it to be fixed, and I think I I do still think it's possible to to utilize it. The thing I found with it though, it's like. It's really th 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 there. You can talk about stars being aligned because you need something that either reflects post data uh, in a way that you can read it somewhere else through post message or whatever. So because post data you can't read reach with right. JavaScript unless you reflect right. it. Uh, the other thing you might be able to do is like, is there somewhere on this domain where you can get the post data to be read? And I talked with one of the uh, team in Google, and he said, on Google, there is one. So you have scripts.google.com, oh, which is like a script gadget. There you can have a URL that can receive a post request, and you can read the logs wow. of it. That's, that's basically, but, but they don't have OAuth danced on their own right. website. So Google don't, don't have it for Google. Uh, I haven't found an explo exploitable place uh, that can be used to submit the Dude. post request where you can later on I gotta, read it. I got to go reread that because that section seems so interesting. Yes. Joel, I know that yeah. this episode has gone long. Do you have to bounce right now? I do have to okay. bounce. So right. <laughs> I don't want to cut this short, but uh, I'm going to let you, I'm going to have to hop yeah, on dude, and listen to the rest of this. You're going to miss the rest I, of I this, have... uh, you know, a lot of stuff, wow. but yeah, we'll definitely, we'll talk about, about this more. Um, and you can go back and review it afterwards. Cause there's going to be some good stuff yeah. here. I can tell already. So <laughs> yeah, peace, yeah. Joel. but yeah, it, it was awesome talking, talking with you and yeah, uh, you too. hopefully you guys have a good rest of your <laughs> conversation. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, th th that sounds nuts. And, and I think playing with those different types is is really something that I haven't played around with too much um, and something that I want to I want to look into because the the impact yes. of that is is massive too if you are able to leak those in any capacity one thing that I was thinking about yeah. for the post message thing is like it's very rare but if you could find a 307 open redirect as well yeah you could yeah. hit exactly they will move it, it, it will, it's extremely rare 
but it might be like misconfigurations in their, you know, load balancer kind yeah. of things. But it, 307s are hard. I'm, 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 I'm collecting 307s, man. Yeah. They're hard to if find. If you can do that, or, or you know, like, <laughs> yeah. well, I guess most of the time, yeah, yeah, because you couldn't really do it with a um, with a CRLF either. You'd really need. Yeah, you really need a 307. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's yeah. tricky, man. It is. It's super but, but hard. That's uh, so so um the redirect so y- you said sometimes different response types will have different places that they can redirect to. That's some like is that is that accurate or no? Um I mean that I would say that one is an exception uh, especially for Google. Uh I I would say that they are uh, in some sense you're right because what happens with the web message or the post message uh, response type or response mode is that then any page on that or because it needs to normalize the sure. origin right so the origin turns into the domain and that means that any page on on that origin can read the message sent by post message so in a sense yes the redirect uri will change in that sense because it will just be any any page on the origin getting that message. Huh. Um, I'm not, I'm not fully that, wrapping my there head you around also that. Have yeah, a, I don't think so. But th- there you also have a, an attack vector because there is a bunch of post message listeners that works as proxies. Yeah. Uh, what happens is that when they get a message, they will relay that message to an iframe, for example. So if you can chain the the OAuth web uh, the OAuth w- uh, web message, posting a message to one of those relays. Uh, that just relays it to another iframe, and then you can find something on that origin of the iframe. Then you can, uh, th- then you can also find like that's another sort of gadget you could wow. say. Uh, but you still need to find something. Maybe it's a sun like th- the Reddit bug I had mm, I saw was that one, yeah. quite similar. Yeah, so the Reddit bug was basically that the they used the window name to transfer data over to their sandbox. Uh, and the sandbox had a bunch of XSS. People knew about it uh, like long before. You could literally run your own uh, uh, Google Analytics on it. Uh, so if I ran my Google, no, Google uh, Tag Manager. And if I yep. ran my own Google Tag Manager, I could run script on yep. the sandbox. Uh, but, but, but because they named the window uh, with the payload, uh, the, the payload was transferred down through window name, and then you can read the fragment through wow, the dude. window name. Yeah, I, I, um, we mentioned a different one, uh, a bug sort of similar to that. Um, there was a report that came out on Pixiv, uh, Hacker One program, which is yeah. uh, essentially the vulnerability was the, the app allows you to specify your own Google Analytics token. Yeah. And, and if yeah. you can't do that, that, then you can leak all sorts of stuff. And, and with that, you could redirect yes. um, the OAuth code to that a, a page that was using that Google Analytics token, yes. which would allow you to, yeah. to leak the content. So there's all sorts of yeah. ways. Through stats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of ways that That's you can awesome. access that. Um, yeah. And, and I think this one, this account hijacking via Dirty Dancing one, I, I it's it's a very long one, like you've mentioned. You know, there's there, you, yeah. you like to do long write-ups, but this is something I'm going to go ahead and reread after this ep- uh, after this episode again yeah. because there's so many pieces to this. Where, um, yeah. yeah, I mean the the out of band things there there there's so many things that I've forgotten. Like that that's not even it, to be honest, it's not even post message. Mm. Like imagine imagine just having a tracker service or something. That you can leak that that has some form of API somewhere else that you can leak data. So the the the, the out of band gadget is like 
there's huge potential for research there because what happens if you break the state, for example, you end up on the page, it sends it over to tracking service X and Y, but that tracking service has some form of, you know, history or whatever, not through post message or anything, but you can, you can just utilize the same API key or whatever. Like there's so many yeah. things there so that you might be able to Lots of application level explore. stuff as well, you know, that you can yes. use. Just because it, that, that one could be sent so deep into something else somewhere, somewhere, and you can pick it up. Th those are the nice ones where you like, you sent the victim over there. It does a bunch of things, and then you're sitting here pulling an API, and suddenly it shows up a API, you know, a, a code or an access token, and you can steal it yeah. from there. That, Those are the most is the beautiful kind of, ones. In, in the way you describe it as well, beautiful. That 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 even shows a little bit more to the fact that um, you know these things they take so much art, you know, they, they, and and it kind of goes yeah. back to what we were talking about <laughs> earlier of like. I want to find a bug that I'm proud of. And sometimes that takes time, you know, and, and so yes. spending time looking at applications, like you said, sometimes it's three days, three or four days before you find a bug. Yeah. And, and some, I think a lot of people newer to the industry would really stress out about that. But if you put in the time and you For really sure. understand all of the fringe application logic, then you start to be able to chain together crazy stuff like leaking OAuth tokens yes. via application functionality that, you know, logs stuff. So it's definitely yes. cool to see. Um, last section that I wanted to talk about before I, I let you go. Do you have time? I know we're over time. Okay. Sure, great. sure. Was hacking plus parenthood. So I, I, I wanted to, so, you know, you mentioned before, sometimes you've got a week, a week and a half, and then you never know what that's going to look like with kids. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a family soon, and I'm a little bit worried about what it's going to look like to do full-time book bounty and have kids around, do you do you normally hack from your home? Do you normally hack from the office? Do you have any general advice about bug bounty with kids? I know that that's a broad question, but yeah, it's a broad question. It depends on the age of the kids, I guess. But I, I would say like this: uh, yeah, I I have I was lucky with my first kid being a really good sleeper. That's uh, awesome. But so that helped me. That helped me hacking a lot during nights. Uh, that that was also in the in the time where I was like almost addicted to it. So sure. I really had to, I wanted to put in that yeah. time and I invested almost like sleep hours yeah. just because I, I, I was like yeah. almost, yeah, monomania yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but, but then I think <laughs> with my, my second kid, which was not uh, such a great sleeper, mm -hmm. I kind of came to the, to the point where I'm like, that was also where, when I was working all like working bug hunting and having two sure. kids and then i like i had to remove something <laughs> and it turned out to be work <laughs> no no they, what, the work you went right, out exactly. the door actually so uh, uh because I, I i felt that like i really want to continue doing hacking and uh kids are right, right. um but but I, so i i think one of the one of the uh, aspects of it was that it, it it helped me like what what happened then was that i replaced my working hours with sure. hacking hours which has always been like i've been scared about yeah. it because i felt like the funniest bugs i find is always 3am yeah. like that has been a mantra to me that that's the way yeah. it is because my mind's work in 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 you know in a weird way during yeah. during nights uh, so so but but that has kind of shifted now when i'm going deep diving mm. and because it's you know you're spending like five days on one specific functionality, 
it doesn't really matter if it's happening on night and day because you're getting into that zone regardless during during Seems those like hours. Seems like there's some maturing uh, that's happening here. You know, like it, sure, it, it, probably, it, it, yeah. In, yes. it, you know, in the beginning, I <laughs> yeah, I very much had the same experience where I was like, wow, yeah. I'm very addicted to this, and I would easily say, okay, let me not go to bed and let me go and hack. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and yeah. I feel like that was pretty. Pretty and it, it did get great results, but I think it was unsustainable for me in some capacity. Yes. And so I think as yeah. as you kind of grow as a bug bounty hunter and, and you figure out, you know, hey, maybe there are different options for this, it becomes a little bit more sustainable. Would you would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I agree. And I think to be honest, like I still have this thing where I'm like, oh I, I need yeah, to continue yeah, yeah. this. But what I've realized also is like the worst thing that can happen is that I stop hacking at the time where I don't have anything to continue right. with. Uh, that's That feeling is the mm -hmm. worst because it makes it really hard to start doing it again ah. because you're like, where should I go? Where that's should I go? Great... So I realized like wow. the best way, the best place I am is where I'm like, oh my yeah. God. And then I'm like closing Dude. down the computer and I'm like, Oh, that, like the day after, I will wake up the earliest. I will go like do all the chores, everything. And then I go back what? to it uh, compared to like, I'm empty Dude, now. What an amazing like, tip. That is that is something that I've never yeah. <laughs> out of yeah. all the things you've yeah. said this this time, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this little tidbit is, is, is kind of crazy yeah. because like that's so yeah. counterintuitive to me. Like, no, I, I wouldn't want to give up yes. right as I'm or like stop exactly. right as I'm about to find yeah. something. But if you do, yeah. you're so motivated to come back. And everything yes. else just yes. kind of seems to yeah. it becomes so much easier to do the, like the chores yes. or the waking up early because yeah. as soon as your yeah. eyes open exactly. in the morning, you're like, wait. I gotta, I gotta try it, you know? Yeah. And so that's, yes. that's amazing. And then you, you get like, so I, I really want to, I always want to find the place where I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I understand like if you're in the middle of like popping a shell, like, oh yeah, you, you plus there's dupes stop. and stuff like uh, that but, too, you know? Yeah. But suddenly like you see an error message that stands out or something like, like, Ooh, like that's when I close yeah. my computer. That That's when, because I'm like, okay, I have something for tomorrow it's it's almost like it's night here I, I will focus on something else but there is something here and i have a huge attack surface tomorrow that i can you know uh, squeeze and and fiddle around with uh but but uh, so that it's a, it's a very short amount of time where i have the ability to like stop doing it because yeah. i can continue yeah. and i will get to a point where i'm like it's 5 a.m and i'm gonna you know take the kids to yeah. school and and i'm gonna be terrible tomorrow and i've been there a hundred times but i'm i've realized also like it it takes time to realize that okay i have a short time spent here where i'm like okay i can get a good amount of sleep uh but i will have some really fun days tomorrow or fun hours wow. tomorrow to play with dude that's um but that's but it's, amazing yeah it's it, it takes it takes it takes, it takes practice. practice and it takes self-control and it takes yeah. discipline you know yeah. and and yeah for sure like there, uh, the longer and longer I'm in this in industry, you you kind of see how all this sort of becomes an art. Um, you know, managing your your creativity and your and your um, yeah. you know, yeah. it's similar to motivation. painting, I guess. Yeah, and and, and yeah, and so any any techniques like this which can allow you to maintain mm -hmm. that creative, um, that creative energy, that creative motivation, yeah. very important. I yeah. think, Franz, yeah. dude. This has been an amazing podcast. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all the wisdom yeah, which you. you've had over the over the over the years of of doing Bug Bounty. Yeah. Do you have any anything you want to shout out or any socials you want us to advertise at the end of this? 
No, uh, I mean, shout out to my to my collaborators yeah. that I often collaborate with. Shabs Avlidinbrun, mm. um, Frederick uh, sitting in the office sure. behind me. Um, I, I'm having fun. Peter yeah. as well, a new collaborator. I haven't done anything. P4FG. Yeah, FG. dude, awesome. Um, yeah. That was that was a great That's, collab. Syed, yeah. we're trying. We're always, you know, poking at each I'm gonna, other as I'm well. I'm gonna stop so you there out. because I, I know, I know yeah. the. I have I know, so many. I can. I, I can know continue. the experience of no. like, um, you know, you're trying to yeah. think about like, oh. Oh, I got to think of all these yeah. people. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there are many more you could list, yeah. but um, yeah, Franz Rosen, everybody, uh, you can find him at Twitter, pretty much everywhere as Franz Rosen. Just write out the name, and then definitely what we're gonna link down in the, the description all the Detectify blogs and stuff like that, which contain all the awesome content from uh, this episode in, in more depth. So, Franz, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.